I just wanted to say that I'm I'm calling it now. Next episode, Alice is crying her eyes out, and she looks over and gains strength from looking at her tied laundry detergent. Stop! <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hello, and welcome to our Riverdale podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 26-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode um, is going to be, if you could insult Hiram, what would you call him? And one of my favorite Hiram lines of all time is, I'm not a 16-year-old nerd, so I'd love to call him a 16-year-old nerd. Because you know what? He was one. He was one. Yep. Sorry. He absolutely was. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 32-year-old artist and writer. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And I am deeply sorry to say that the only insult that's in my head right now is to call Hiram a wiener. <laughs> I wish I could tell you why. But, uh, yeah, I just think calling someone, like, a little wiener is so funny. I don't know. It reminds me of my mom. And I think that Hiram would just be baffled by it. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 28-year-old television critic. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's, where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. I mean, my go-to would probably be Little Bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very Sam insult. It's just, it's very succinct. Yeah. Um, I'd probably throw a good pathetic in there. Mm. Because, like, I always find that, um calling men pathetic just really cuts them down at the knees. Yeah, it's pathetic or loser. They really okay. hate that. Or or you're embarrassing yourself. Ooh, I like that. Sometimes if you just laugh in their faces. Yeah. Yeah. Today we have a word to say about episode 517 of Riverdale, The Dance of Death. Actually, it's just Dance of Death, but I wanted to make it sound dramatic. Sure, yeah. As far as I can tell, Dance of Death isn't actually a reference to anything, like it often is. Um, But Dance of Death is like sort of a, it's a medieval allegorical concept of the all-conquering and equalizing power of death expressed in the drama, poetry, music, and visual arts of Western Europe, mainly in the late Middle Ages. Okay. Sure. So yeah. Uh, this episode was directed by Natalie Bolt. If I was Machen and Robin Gibbons, I'd be like, um, excuse me, how come she gets the best episode of all the ones? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> legit. Um, so that was exciting, and uh, she did a great job. She for, did a really good be, job. I don't know if she, this is her first time directing ever, but this her, is her first time directing an episode of Riverdale, and she did an awesome job. It was, yeah, it was great. amazing. Mm-hmm. I think one of the main goals of a director who's popping into a series is to make it not jarring, you know, make it so that the audience, if they didn't know that you had directed it, wouldn't be able to tell it from any other episode. And Uh I think that she did that. I think it was great. Not only that, but it was actually more beautiful than a lot of other episodes, like visually, Mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. She made some really cool stylistic choices, I think, that came off really neat. Mm -hmm. Uh, popping into thoughts from listeners really quickly, we got an Aww. email um, from our friend Katie. She, um, Katie, Katie gave us a nice humbling. I think we needed it. Katie used to write in a lot to our The 100 podcast back when it was a weekly show. Um, and last episode, I had said, hey, if you don't watch this show, if you just listen to the podcast, can you please go and watch the Archie and Eric scenes and tell me if I am insane, if I am crazy, if I am making up all of the vibes that I get mm-hmm. from Archie and Eric. So Katie and her wife are avid listeners of this podcast, and they do not watch Riverdale. They simply they simply listen for the fun of it. I and love I, that. I can't help but respect that. And so she said, you gave me a homework assignment, and so I had to do it. 
And so they went and they watched the scenes together. I think she said that they watched the whole episode together. And she said, to preface this, that they are not shippers. They don't really watch a show for the ships. It's not really um, something that they pay attention to or, like, are drawn toward. I really wish I had that kind of control mm. in my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they said that they did not see any romantic <laughs> tension between Archie and, uh, and Jackson. I knew the odds were that we were insane. The thing is that I still don't believe it because I have fooled myself so hard. <laughs> oh, no. Because I'm like, ah, I'm literally like, it must be because they're not shippers. That has to be it. Oh my God. Has, you know? <laughs> um, I would love some more input on this. <laughs> I know that it's in our heads. Yeah. Well, I know for, first of all, I just wanted to say, I know that it's not going to happen. If they're make, if they're going to make Archie queer, it's not happening here. It's going to happen with somebody else. You know, my preference is that they would bring back Monroe, Mad Dog to, to get that. That was a character that, that like, like this one is us tin hatting with Mad yeah. with Mad Dog. I was genuinely genuinely like the energy here is gay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to say I don't think it's gonna happen. I'm just saying that like I probably just want to see it, but I'm having a great time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank you for uh, thank you for doing my homework assignment and thank you for getting back to me. Um, F for not seeing what I wanted you to see. <laughs> just <laughs> like, I'm, idiot. I'm of course kidding. Um, but yeah, if anyone else wants to send in their um, homework to make me feel better, that would be great. Uh, yeah, genuinely thank you from the bottom of our yeah. hearts for... Yeah, you didn't have to do that. You yeah, didn't have that was, to watch it. <laughs> that I'm was sorry. a genuinely cool thing that you did. In fact, if you I'm sorry to... that the episode that you watched was, like, not even one of the best Yeah, ones. sorry, actually. If you wanted to watch an episode, this is probably a better one to have watched. Speaking of, we're gonna do Toot or Boot real quick now. Um, if this is your first episode with us, hello. Toot is good, Boot is bad. And then there are some in between and on either side. But Toot and Boot is the most important thing that you need to know. Brittany, how'd you feel about this episode? Um, I'm gonna give it a two. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah. I was entertained by it. Mm-hmm. And that's really sort of that's my low standards. Yeah. yeah. I am also gonna give it a toot, and I am going to say that, like, the only real content holding it back from being a shoot, because it was a very entertaining episode, yeah. is that they got Varchi back together, and I yeah. think that's dull as hell. That is definitely fair. I was also going to say it was on the very high end of toot because mm-hmm. I was entertained the whole time. Yeah. I think I smiled through the whole thing, yeah. other than the Varchi stuff in which I was actively booing. Um, and like I said, if this is your first episode with us and you're like, hey, why do they hate Bar- hate Varchi? Let me just reiterate, we don't hate Varchi. It's just that... Uh, it's boring. It's just the same. They've just done it for five seasons and yeah. we're tired of it's, it, basically. It's constant. Yeah. So that's what, that's what's up. We did this episode chronologically, which you kind of have to do for an episode like this, which kind of, you know, it's kind of like the big climactic episode of the season, kind of. Yeah. So we did it chronologically and Brittany, I believe, did the, uh, did the summary for the first third. Yes, I did. I, I thought, you know, very naively that there wasn't a lot that happened in the first 15 minutes. Boy, was I wrong. Mm -hmm. Tabitha and Betty return from night 10 of unsuccessfully luring men into their trap. Betty thinks it's because they're working together, which is just entirely untrue. It's two hot women instead of one. That's a bonus. Yeah. Dr. Colonel Jr. calls Betty and says he needs some bribing to keep the tongueless guy in his morgue. And Betty is like, sure, I can bribe you. I got the time. She needs the guy for evidence. Cheryl and Archie talk about the mines. Archie would rather be helping people in Riverdale than digging for the tiny amounts of palladium they're getting. However, it turns out he's also susceptible to bribery. She sends him like $500 and Archie is like, I would die for you. And you know what, reader? Later, Hiram will test that. Yeah. <laughs> At divorce 
Club, Chad demands he get basically everything for their from he and Ronnie's marriage. Ronnie snaps and says she doesn't care what he wants. He can have it all. She All she wants is Archie. <laughs> Ew. At church, Penelope laments the loss of her pure church at the hands of Cheryl's ego. I can't blame her for that one, actually. It's kind of valid. Kevin is like, but if Cheryl is a cult leader, then you're in the cult. And I'm like, so are you, Kevin. <laughs> Penelope says her will is a steel rod. Is Kevin's? No, his spine is made of jello. <laughs> Tabitha gets a call from Squeaky's mom and finds out she's missing. Tony talks to Britta about Britta punching the hell out of a dude who was calling her homophobic slurs. Tony says violence isn't the answer, and I'm like, yes, but you should always punch homophobes, actually. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Britta reveals she actually is gay and is afraid to come out to her parents. Will Tony go with her? Of course Tony will. She's a bi-angel. Chad and Hiram discuss the fact that Archie is in the way of Chad's marriage, so why not just kill him? <laughs> Hiram gives him an untraceable gun to do the job, but he calls it a ghost gun, and it's even white, and it's stupid. Kevin asks Cheryl who the hell they pray to at her church. Turns out it isn't Jason, and it isn't God. Cheryl says she'll do a juice cleanse to think on it, which is her literally saying she's going to poop her brains out for, like, three days and then find some kind of enlightenment. Like, how you'll be light, that's for sure. <laughs> Brittany, I have to tell you something. There's something that she says later, and it's like a J cut or an L cut, which means that you hear it before you can see what's going it's the, on. It's the reveal of the painting. Yeah, it's the reveal of the painting, and she goes, look what came out of me. Yeah, And I'm like, no. that was the worst possible thing that you could say after yeah. you said you're doing a cleanse. Yeah. I genuinely thought you were yeah. talking about poop well, and you were going to show us your poop. Like, casual. Didn't she, didn't she say she was fasting, though? Yeah. She's fasting, but the only thing she's drinking is lemon water. With maple syrup. With maple and syrup cayenne and cayenne. Okay, That's a yeah, juice that's cleanse, a cleanse, mama. Yeah. She's gonna be glued to the toilet. Mm -hmm. No. She's like, I'm. I, listen, I'm sitting here praying right now, but where I want to be is it's, my golden toilet like, in my house. It's just such a weird flex to be like, I'm shitting <laughs> my pants for enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have to bleep that, but it was worth yeah. it. This is the worst thing I've ever witnessed. I know, and Sam is literally like, oh my god, her outfits are so good, and we're like, not for long. <laughs> and then those pants come off easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she's wearing a dress. I hate you guys. Oh god. This is just what they should expect from the from the uh, critique squad <laughs> when they say that she's doing a cleanse. This is the kind of quality content you can expect from this podcast mm -hmm. network. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, my fantastic joke of girl, you'll be light, that's for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Tabitha rounds up Bughead and fills them in on Squeaky being missing. She wants them to team back up like in the old days and solve the mystery of Squeaky's disappearance. She'll even pay Jughead to do it. Not you, Betty. <laughs> <laughs> Betty already has reasons, so she doesn't need money. Oh, it's apparently because she just gives, like, uh, so much money Where to Dr. Curdle Jr. Where is she Jr. getting money from? She doesn't have a job. Anyway. At the Elmore Yeah, she quit. <laughs> There's a failed assassination coming Sorry. in Riverdale. At the Elmore Can you imagine telling this to someone who's, like, has no concept of the Riverdale TV show but reads the Archie comics? My, you guys are going to be very excited about my favorite line award. Yeah, 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 yeah. At the El Royale, Chad attempts to assassinate Archie and blows it completely because he low-key is a beta male. Archie Captain America's him with a trash can lid. Betty catches Jughead up on her theory that it's a whole family group hunting on the lonely highway, and I'm like, why did you steal my Black Hood theory? They need to talk to Lerman Logan about his kidnapping on the highway and get more information. 
Dr. Colonel Jr. calls Betty and says he has another body. It's been dismembered, and the decomposition rate means that it could be Polly. He needs to test Betty's DNA and Squeaky's DNA against it. Ronnie and Chad sit down at Divorce Club again. Now that Chad tried to kill Archie, Ronnie says she's taking everything. If he doesn't agree, she'll charge him with attempted murder. And I'm like, shouldn't you do that anyway? Mm-hmm. Penelope shoves a croissant in her mouth to make Cheryl jealous. Cheryl says she's actually feeling inspired and needs to go paint, but then almost faints because of the whole lack of food and fluids. Yeah. Chad tells Hiram the gun misfired. That's a fancy way of saying you're a little bitch. Hiram says he thought Chad killing Archie would solve both their problems, but he's too much of a little boy to get the job done, so it's his turn now. Ronnie turns up and tells Archie she's a divorced woman and they have gross sex. Anyway... Alice decides to head into work. She wants the distraction while they wait to find out who the latest body belongs to. Betty tells her the body was dismembered for some reason, but yeah. she and Jughead have a lead. Why would you tell her that? Cheryl shows Kevin a new painting. It's earth, air, fire, and wind. They're going to pray to nature and worship nature. Kevin is like, that's too weird. I'm out. And I'm like, that was your line? <laughs> yeah. At Pops, Betty, Tabitha, and Jughead wait for Lerman. On the TV, T Alice has a full breakdown and begs for whoever is killing everyone to stop. She can't take the suspense of whether Polly is dead or not. She wants the body at the morgue to be Polly so that she can be free of this never-ending nightmare. And I'm sad. Mm -hmm. I completely understand that, though. To just be like, I would rather know that she is eventually, like, has been at peace rather than is, like, being tortured somewhere, yeah. you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So... Basically, like you said, Betty and Tabitha are not getting any action. It's been ten nights since the last episode, apparently. It's two hot women. Uh, yeah, and she's like, maybe if we were alone, I don't know. And Tabitha's like, isn't it a good thing that nobody's been murdered? And she's like, no, because when the serial killers go quiet, then, then you should be scared. But it turns out, you know, later in the episode, you find out, no, they were just vibing. Yeah, they were like, just haven't seen any recently. Yeah, we just, I don't know, we haven't killed anyone. Old Man Dreyfus met Betty and is like, I know exactly which one that is, I'll show you a picture, don't pick this one up. Exactly. Also, like, <laughs> this is how you know Betty is a heterosexual, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Oh, because she's like, there's two of us? Why? No. Why are she's like, this is not as appealing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, do you have no idea what is attractive to people who like, are interested have, in I women? Think, have you seen Tabitha? Here's the like, thing. Betty also hasn't been picked up that many times. I feel like like every time that Betty was picked up by herself, it was like either an actual murderer or or like that FBI agent guy, right? Yeah. Like she's like Oh yeah. Yeah. Um so she gets a call from uh Dr. Colonel Jr., who in my notes I always call DCJ. Do you really? Yes, and that's actually my mom's initials. I knew that. <gasps> I uh in my summary I call him Dr. CJ. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Wow, wish I'd come up with a cute nickname for him. <laughs> so he's like Hey, listen, it's risky and expensive for me to keep that guy's body for you. Can I cremate him? And Betty's like, no. Please don't, please don't cremate my only evidence. Yeah. <laughs> so he, I'm like, well, is it better for him to have been cremated or for his body to be stolen later? Okay. Oh, okay. Well, you're making some very compelling points. So Betty's like, well, I'll bring you more bribery. And he's like, okay, thanks. <laughs> I love it because he's just like, that would greatly ease my anxiety. And he like hangs up. I was like, okay, sassy. Yeah. Where is she getting all this big money? The money store. Mm. That's called a bank. Yeah. 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 Okay. She robbed a bank. She robbed a bank. Yeah. I love that Natalie Bolt was like, how about I shoot Dr. Colonel Jr. in the creepiest way possible? Good for her. Um, And I just want to say thank you because uh, that is, that's correct. That's the exact way that he is meant to be uh, perceived. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, okay, Betty and Tabitha are like, see you again at dusk. Because I guess they've been doing this for ten full days. See you later. So Archie goes to see Cheryl, and he's like, hey, we're working really hard for you, but we want to help save Riverdale also by maintaining infrastructure, and that's expensive. I want to say such this, a is, good person. this is genuinely one of the sexiest things Archie has ever done. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, like, yes, talk to me more about you cleaning up the city and fixing the infrastructure of Riverdale. I didn't know Archie knew words that big. Yeah, Exactly! So basically, Cheryl's like, if you get big palladium, then you get big money. And she sends him money using Chime, which is apparently an actual real Venmo. Um, Like, it's basically, it's Venmo, but like, can we use it in Canada? Because that would be a huge thing. I doubt it. I wonder. We can't use things like that. Yeah. So she sends him $517, which is because the episode is... Episode 517. Oh. Uh-huh. That seemed like a low amount of money to me. I know. I was like, more. I was ex- I was thinking I was like, one million dollars on there. I was thinking at least a thou. Yeah. Um, so uh, Riverdale gets a brand deal every single episode, huh? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's how they keep the CW afloat. Yeah. I know. I just wanted to say that I'm, I'm calling it now. Next episode, Alice is crying her eyes out and she looks over and gains strength from looking at her tied laundry detergent. Stop! <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, uh, it's just like, at, at this point, the CW is a front for capitalism. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, I, of course, looked at uh, Archie's phone, because I like to do that. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, his background is like his sort of like patch, like his army patch that he has, which, mm-hmm. which makes sense for him. Um, and, of course, we don't see the date or the time, because that they don't do that on Riverdale. Even um, though they have done that on Riverdale. Yeah. And he's on LTE. And I just wanted to say, I think that if he was at Cheryl's house, he'd be on the Wi-Fi, because he's there a lot. T. And they're friends. I mean, but is he there for, like, a, a, an amount of time that, like, would allow for him to be like, hey, what's the Wi-Fi password? I truly like, believe- he's not spending the night. He's there for, like, 20 minutes. I truly believe that Cheryl would have had, like, a beautiful framed photograph of the Wi-Fi password at her key party. Because he was there for a while. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. Fair enough. And, like, he was at, like, her party at, oh, that was at, wait, is she back in Thornhill? Yes, she is, right? Because they rebuilt Thornhill, yeah. Yeah. And maybe they would have different Wi-Fi back in, like, season one or whatever, but he was, like, at her, like, blossom party and all this other stuff. Her anyway. blossom party. <laughs> um, so she's like, whatever palladium that you can get from now on, you'll get some money for it. And he's like, okay, we'll work hard then. We'll work so hard for you. Yeah. I am infinitely bribable. Yeah. So Veronica and Chad are together with their lawyers for the divorce, and apparently they have, like, a whole house in Sag Harbor, and Chad refuses to sign unless he gets the house, and she's like, I bought that with my own money that I actually worked for. Is Sag Harbor a real place? I don't know. Honey? Ah. You want me to look it up? Ah. What, uh, what, what sound was that? Ah. It meant, I don't know. Mm-mm. Yeah, village on Long Island. Mm-hmm. Long Island. Long Island. Long. To be honest, I find it a little unrealistic that uh, two New Yorkers would voluntarily have anything on Long Island. Mm. <laughs> He's also like, also I want alimony. And she, so she's like, fine, you worm. <laughs> I love the you worm. That's another good That's uh, another insult. good one. Yeah. yeah. And then he also wants her apartment. And I'm like, for what? It's in Riverdale. It's you don't in, even like, like what Riverdale. What are you going to do with that? Yeah. She, you know he what? Wants he wants stuff. it for the bitch in bathroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, like, he tells Hiram later that he just, like, that he genuinely thinks that they'll, like, reconcile and get back together. And so he's just, like, saying whatever he can for her to be like, ugh, I don't want to give you that, so I guess I'll just stay with you. Which I don't know what realistic, like, that's just deeply unrealistic. The man's an idiot. And so she agrees to it because she says she doesn't care and all she needs is Archie. And I'm like, all right, that's enough. Uh, yeah, rain it in. All right, like, please, for the love of God, <laughs> yeah. please, like, I'm fine with straight people, but please go do it somewhere I can't see it. Yeah, don't shove it in my face. Don't you know? shove it in yeah. my face. Like, Think I, of the children. I didn't really care for this line, and the line that really bothered me was Hiram later saying that Veronica's biggest vulnerability, biggest weakness, was her love for Archie. And I was like, how dare you simplify her down to that? Mm-hmm. That sucks. I hated that. Yeah. 
Fair enough. So Penelope calls Kevin stupid, basically. (laughs) To his face! I mean, yeah. Yeah. So she's like, I started this thing with pure intentions, and Cheryl has twisted it into a cult now. I got, she says, I got Wicker Man vibes from, like, the bee thing. Um, (laughs) Penelope saying the word vibes is very funny to me. Yeah. And then later, like, so, Nat knows what show she's on. Yeah, exactly. Is the thing. Yeah. She really does, doesn't Mm -hmm. she? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that, like, any of the parents who are still here just have fun being on the show, and that's why they're still here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then we see Kevin reading Wicker Man later. Hilarious. So, the Wicker Man, it was a movie, and it's inspired by David Pinner's 1967 novel, Ritual. So, I don't know- Is Nicolas Cage in this movie? I was just about Uh, to ask Probably. And so the novel isn't even called The Wicker Man, or maybe they have, maybe they like re-released it with the title The Wicker Man, but later the book that he's reading is called The Wicker Man. So, whatever. It centers on the visit of police sergeant Neil Howie to the isolated island of Summer Isle in search of a missing girl. Howie, a devout Christian, is appalled to find that the inhabitants of the island have abandoned Christianity and now practice a form of Celtic paganism. That sounds great. Um, so that's what Penelope's talking about. It is a Nicolas Cage film. Mm-hmm. And so Kevin's like, well, if it's a cult, you're also here. And she's like, haha, yeah, right. <laughs> she's like, uh, unlike you idiots, I'm not brainwashed. And yeah. I'm like, remember when you murdered a bunch of people? Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't brainwashing. That was funsies. Oh, good point. Yeah. That was, a, no, that was her graduation present. That was, you know what? That wasn't brainwashing. That was sport. Yeah. So Tabitha gets a call from Squeaky's mom. Uh, she's missing, and Tabitha's like, oh, that's weird. Like, I haven't heard from her since she left. Tony goes to her office at school. Britta's there, and Britta's like, I only punched Tim Higgins one time for calling me a homophobic slur, basically. And Tony's like, I absolutely hate that, and I'll definitely be talking to Tim, but we don't hurt people. Eh, Tim had it coming. Yeah, sorry, Tim. Actually, I'm not sorry, Tim. Get out of here, Tim. I, like, listen, I don't condone violence, but we live in a different world than the idealistic world where you can fight words with words. Mm. Sometimes you just gotta punch a bitch. Just call him a, uh, just call him a worm. See or a little bitch. Worm! Yeah. Worm! <laughs> or, like, be, or be like, why, why you, why you have such a problem with gay people? Are you gay? And then, and then straight men hate that. It's true, they do. Yeah. So she's like, maybe, I think actually I am gay, probably, and Tony's talking to her about how it was hard for her to come out, and you get to decide when is, when it's the right time for you to come out, and I'll be there for you. Um, And Britta's like, will you come with me when I tell my parents? And she's like, sure. Yeah. So you know that they are, like, very close, and Tony is a very, very good guidance counselor, Mm -hmm. if somebody were to ask her to do this, you know? Yeah, she's also, like, just very, um, she's just a good queer role model Yeah. like, students at the school. Right. Yeah, later she says, like, oh, I talked her parents off the ledge. And so, like, that's the whole reason she was there is it's, like, she's been through it herself, Mm -hmm. right? She's a, she's an adult who's come out the other side and is still successful. Yeah. So Chad goes to see Hiram. And, yeah, like I said, Chad wants them to reconcile somehow, he and Veronica. And he's like, well, if Archie's still around, then it won't happen. Her greatest vulnerability is her love for Archie. So here's my ghost gun. You should kill Archie. My ghost gun. <laughs> yeah. It's so stupid. I'm like, okay, so you sawed off the license number? Like, yeah. okay. That's the one that Reggie Reg- got him. So dumb. Though. Is it? Yeah, because he was like, Reggie, I need a ghost gun to kill uh, the guy in, in my flashback episode. Reggie's like, do you even need to kill ghosts? Yeah. They're already dead. Yeah, <laughs> Reggie's like, um, I think that you need, like, a special thing for that. Maybe holy water? Yeah, or, like, whatever the Ghostbusters have. Yeah, they got those cool backpacks. Blasters or something? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Slime? Vacuums? Vacuums. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever, like, stop to think about how stupid we are? 
That's why we have a podcast. Sometimes. Because we're stupid. It's not stupid. It's entertainment. It ain't stupid if it's entertainment. Two things can be true. If it's entertainment, it's probably stupid. There you go. These things are married. (laughs) So like I said, we see Kevin reading The Wicker Man. Um, Cheryl comes in and she's finished with the Vixen. So do you want to ride home? Because they both are living at Thornhill right now. If I was Kevin, I would keep being in the religion just to stay in that fancy house because he doesn't have a house. (laughs) <laughs> like, if he leaves oh, yeah. Cheryl, he's, like, out. you got to find yourself an apartment. He'll Dude, I totally live- forgot about that. he probably just live at his dad's house again. Because he's just living at Thornhill, right? Yeah. He's straight up just there. Weird. Um, so he's like, hey, can I ask you a question? Who are we even praying to? Jason? And she's like, no, Jason's, like, kind of like a middleman. <laughs> Jason's a middleman? What? Like, what? What? How did you not consider what you were praying to? Yeah. And so he's like, oh, okay, so do you know who we're praying to? And she's just like... No, no, I don't really know who the high, higher power is. And then she talks about her fast and her cleanse. And she, she's like, once I am flushed out, I will be refilled with wisdom. And Kevin's like, okay. <laughs> All right. Flushed out. Yeah. Flushed out. Mm-hmm. Yep. I hate y'all. Do you? Yes. <laughs> I don't think that's true, Ellen. Sometimes. <laughs> uh, here, here's the thing that you need to know about our childhoods is that me and Brittany grew up with, uh, laughing at potty humor and Sam didn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's really all that needs saying. Yeah. Sam does not find that funny, and uh, that's all we find funny. <laughs> yeah, like, me and my cousins, we are all in our 20s, uh, and some of them 30s at this point, mm-hmm. and at Christmas time, when we're playing Jackbox games and everything, and we get to put, uh, we will all choose the poop joke over any other joke. 100%. Like, we still think it's the funniest thing in the entire world. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, because we know that people will choose the poop joke... Um, like, if we're playing Quiplash or something, then both answers will be about poop, and then we have to decide, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a tough decision, you know? Uh, yeah. It's just whoever's the most creative, but still with a poop joke, you know? Yeah. So Tabitha's yeah, like, this is my hell. <laughs> it's like, the mortifying secondhand embarrassment of even this conversation. I'm just like, I'm good. Y'all, y'all carry on. Uh, I'll be back later. So Tabitha goes to Bughead about Squeaky and how she never made it to, she was supposed to be meeting friends in California and she never made it there. Squeaky, I miss you. I'm really sorry that that happened to you, but also we don't hitchhike. No. Especially as a woman in this year. Not victim blaming, just saying, oh, of course. Like, 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 don't do that. Yeah. It's unsafe. So she's like, hey, I heard you guys are good at solving mysteries, so, like, please help me. And she says that Jughead doesn't have to work. She's still going to pay him, but his job is now to figure this out with Betty. And like you said, Betty just doesn't get paid because she has, like, enough, like, reason. Mysterious money. Well, like, she has enough of reason and, um, like, a pull to figure it out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 There's a word for that. Motive? Yes, motive, exactly. I was like, it it escapes me at this moment. (laughs) So his job is to figure this out with Betty, and so Jughead's like, hey, I guess I'll get started reading whatever information that Betty has. So we have Archie leaving the El Royale. Um, Chad jumps him and tries to shoot him, but he misses. Oh, it's so embarrassing. Um, And so Archie grabs a garbage can lid and... uh, Just full-on Captain America's that guy. Plays disc golf with Chad's head and frisbees it into his face. Uh, I cheered. (laughs) No, it's so funny. It's just also so embarrassing. Yeah, it was very embarrassing. Um, this man signed up to be embarrassed, uh, when he decided to play Chad. Fully. It is, yeah, it's hysterical. And he's probably making bank for it. He probably is. good for him. So then he drops the gun, and there's, like, a fire in the background, and I thought that he had burnt down the El Royale, but then we, like, don't talk about it after this, so maybe not. I think it was just, like, um, like, you know, like, a little trash can fire. Yeah, I think it's, it's a 
to indicate that Riverdale is an on-fire garbage can. I thought it looked like there was a straight-up building on fire, but who's to say? We don't talk about it. It's possible. Yeah, and then it's just not the El Royale. I mean, the fire guy's kind of busy building or digging for palladium, so... So Betty and Jughead are talking more. Uh, Betty, like, got a confession from this guy. So she's basically clarifying what happened to the dude, and he's like, oh, you think it's several killers? She's like, yes, a family of truckers. Oh, they also tried to take Lerman Marshall Logan. I think this is the first time we're hearing his middle name. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Not really sure why no, it was. I don't, I don't know why you're reading that name, but. But he was gone for like a week and then just like put back. But he doesn't fit the profile of all the other victims. So that might be a clue. He might be the only one to have like been with them and survived this. Sure. Earlier, I wasn't allowed to talk to him because I was his teacher. But now I'm not a teacher and he doesn't go to the school anymore. So I can just <laughs> talk to him. Weird. So he says, we'll find him on social. And I'm like, which one? Bro, when he said, I'll find him on social, I was like, no one says that. I was like, Facebook? Which one? See on social. I want to know what they're using. I want to know what Jughead's Twitter user is. I want to know what his handle is. Jughead uses Reddit. Yeah, that's very true. 100%. So they get another call from Dr. Curdle Jr. He says, hey, there's another body from Swedlow Swamp. And so they go over there and he says, this time it's completely dismembered, which is not usually what happens. And they're like, oh, well, maybe they were trying to make it harder to find. I thought that this was definitely then TBK. Like, are we, I guess the next two episodes are going to wrap up what's what's happening with TBK because we still don't have an answer about that. Um, And so I thought maybe this, this was it because it was like changing the MO and it's the MO of TBK. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Still need to figure out what happened with TBK. Like, and I'm not sure why Betty didn't put that together. Yeah. Since she thought that Martin, or whatever his real name is, which we didn't figure out, was TBK at first. Did she? Yeah, remember? She was like, she tested him by using that um, that language. So, yeah. It's not possible to identify who it is right now, the body, um, because it's like mutilated and decomposed. So, like, it could be Polly. I don't know. It was, like, around the same time as Polly, so it could be. So we're going to do a DNA test. And so Betty's like, okay, check to see if it's Polly. Check to see if it's Lynette Squeaky Fields. And so D- DCJ comes and does the DNA test and, like, just, like, pu- puts the Q-tip, like, near her mouth. And I'm like, let her swab herself. Let her swab herself. It's weird. Stop. <laughs> so Chad goes to another divorce meeting with his broken-ass nose. Um, mm-hmm. I think you'll find it's called Divorce Club. Divorce because Club. I decided that's what it's called. Okay. Divorce Club. And Veronica says, ah, yes, your pathetic attempt to kill my lover. Stop it with that. I have said multiple times we do not use the word lover like that. Only Taylor Swift's allowed to use that. In the words of Liz Lemon, that word bums me out unless it's between the words meat and pizza. Yeah, it's just, it's so cringe. Yeah. Like, I am, I would pay Riverdale six dollars mm-hmm. for them never to let her say that again. I would match it. I'd match it. Thanks. You know what? I'll match that too. Like, they do it all so the time. So you can have a total of $18 if you never have Veronica yeah. say it. And, and just disperse that amongst the writers. Yeah. I'm sure it's enough. <laughs> Spread it around. Uh, also, if you don't like that deal, you owe me $6 every time you have her say it from there. There you on. go. So it's you really owe me $6,000. <laughs> uh, go big or go home. You know what? I respect that. <laughs> Thank you. So Veronica's like, well, now I get everything or I'll press charges. So, and he's like, well, how are you going to do that? And she's like, you dropped the gun. So I assume that they have his fingerprints now. Because I bet he also didn't wear gloves. No, he's literally an idiot. Like, yeah. the, the man was not built to do anything. Mm-hmm. So Veronica then calls him a little bitch, which I, you know, we heard Veronica call Hiram a little bitch twice, two episodes ago. 
And so then Veronica calls Chad a little bitch, which was great. We loved it. Yay. But then later, she also calls Hiram a little bitch. And so I'm like, okay, what if we added some variety in here? You know, it's funny every time. I do think it's funny every time. But now we're we're just saying the same thing over and over again and also twice in the same episode and now, and from the same character both Mm -hmm. times as Mm -hmm. well. Like, I mean, Josie said it twice and Veronica said it twice. So I'm like... Listen, it's funny. Is there is there something else? Like, do, or, you, like or, do you have anything else to offer? Or space them out a little, and then it'll be funny every time. Yeah. At this point, though, I think that if they just do it every single episode now, yeah. then it's then it's camp. Then it's camp. I was about to say, then it's camp. You're yeah. Right. Okay, so they have to do it a third time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Betty's gonna go up to Alice while while she's grieving next episode and be like, "Cheer up, you little bitch," because <laughs> Betty would definitely do that. <laughs> I hate y'all. But tell me I'm wrong. No, you're not. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. Be- Betty calling Alice a little bitch for crying. Uh-huh. And then, uh... It has to be Betty again. Then, well, but then Alice calls Betty a little bitch uh-huh. for, like, getting Polly killed or something. Right, sure, yeah. <laughs> then it'll be funny. Then yeah. it'll be funny, yeah. Or, like, uh... Oh, Penelope calling Cheryl a little bitch would be great. Yes! yes. Um, <gasps> no, someone needs to call Kevin a little bitch. Yeah. yeah. The man it's has Penelope, Penelope calling Kevin and Cheryl little bitches. Yeah. Great, because yeah. they're weird church. Actually, you know what? I've changed my mind. Keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> I knew um, I could. I knew I could sell you on this. You just have to do it. You just have to lean too far into it. Exactly. Right, right now, it's like we're teetering over the edge, and I'm like, "Oh, is this weird?" Yeah. But if you just lean into it, it won't be weird. Thank you. So then we see Penelope eating big time because Cheryl is like fasting. That food looks so yummy. It looks so yummy. I don't know why, but like the croissants, especially, mm. I was like, "Uh, can I get a hit of that?" Yeah. yeah. I love, I love how, um, Natalie Bolt was the one who got to decide. She was like, yes, the set deck. Um, can I just get a ridiculous amount of food and I'm going to eat it? Thanks. Honestly, good for her. Yeah. yeah. That was iconic and I respect her so much. So Cheryl's like, I'm going to go paint and let the invisible hand, whatever, uh, like hold my brush. And then she gets up and almost falls over. And I do have to say that like... Because she's been pooping her brains out. Because she's been pooping. Um, but... <laughs> It's, like, this scene and then, like, the one where she finishes the painting. And that's sort of, like, the end of that, con- of that, of that like, storyline, unless we keep it up later. But no, I, I think we needed to talk more about how this may have been unhealthy. No, I personally think that because she was so dehydrated, mm-hmm. and unless she, like, later chose to rehydrate, she imagined all of the magical things happening that she oh. was doing. Oh... That's a good point. See, that would make it make way more sense. Yes. Yeah. Which I can't put it past this show, so I'm not 100%, 100% sure. But that's a very good theory. That makes yeah. the most logical sense yeah. if they're not going to actually give us, like, magical mm-hmm. Cheryl. Which I want, for the record. Yeah, yes. no, I agree. I'm interested. But I was also, I agree with you yeah. on, on this being, like, kind of problematic. Yeah. Especially because Madeline is already a very thin person. Mm-hmm. And, like, while fasting is a thing in lots of religions... Mm-hmm. This is it's also a, an eating disorder habit. Yeah. And I don't think we should uh, skip just Past even, it. like, let that be a thing that we do on children's TV shows. Children's. Yeah. But, like, you know. Vargie had 13, explicit sex this episode. 13-year-olds watch this show. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. For sure. No, I agree. 13-year-olds have to experience Vargie. <laughs> I'm so sorry, children. <laughs> I'm just, I'm glad that they didn't um, make it so that, like, she talked about it being a weight loss tactic. Right. Um, I think that's how they got away with it. Yeah. yeah. I think the thing is, like, we needed to talk a little bit more about how this may have been unhealthy, because if this doesn't come back, then we just stopped talking about it, like, uh, halfway through the episode. And I don't really understand, if your theory isn't correct, what other purpose this served other than the fact that, like, I made a painting now. Well, I also think that, like, 
given the last handful of episodes, mm-hmm. they've borrowed lots of things from, especially Christianity, but mm-hmm. a lot of, like, religions. Yeah. And, and fasting is yeah. a, a part of Christianity. Right, Like, yeah. b- people do fast in order to pray and uh, gain understanding and clarity and, like, align themselves with Jesus and the 40 nights and days that mm-hmm. he spent in the desert and that whole thing. But Riverdale is, once again, just, like, bastardizing it yes. for themselves. And it's not a good look. <laughs> And sure, if she was doing it, like, properly and healthily, but her falling over then tells us that she's not doing it properly and that she's doing it in an unhealthy way. Right. I just think that, like, it's weird because, and then we see her do the, do this magic, and like you said, Brittany, if that was a, like, a vision, then, like, that totally makes sense. But, like, if you're trying to tell me that her fasting in an unhealthy way did actually make her, like, more powerful or whatever, that's not a great message. No. So, yeah, I'm very torn about, about that Kids, if you're listening to this, that will not work. Not Mm -hmm. only will it make you less creative, Mm -hmm. but as we've established, you will poop your brain out (laughs) and feel unwell. Yeah. You will be so dehydrated, your throat will be a desert. Yeah. Because I believe that, like, her doing, like, that, that cleanse thing about the, like, with the water and the maple syrup and the cayenne and stuff is specifically, is, like, is that part of the religion or is that only a, um... A diet I think tactic, that's that a, part. All I, that's like the juice cleanse trend mm-hmm, that I've heard mm-hmm, where people yeah. are like, if you do this, you lose weight faster. And I'm like, no, you don't. You're just losing your bowels. Yeah. Like when you fast in religion, usually you're allowed to drink water. Yes. But the, the whole maple syrup cayenne thing is, is more like. That's well, and what, when you thing. fast in religion, the fast breaks at some point. Yes. And it's like each day, like during Ramadan, you're allowed to eat once the like, sun goes down. Like sundown, yeah. Like, you're not required to starve for your religion. Mm-hmm. And there's also exceptions for, like, women who are on their periods, like, people with medical conditions. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, you're right. It is a complete bastardization. Yeah. Um, so Chad goes to Hiram again, says that the gun misfired. But Hiram, like, still wants revenge, and he's mad that he didn't get it because he wanted Archie dead. And I'm like, how many times have you tried to kill this guy now? <laughs> and Hiram goes... Veronica stole my palladium, and Archie stole your wife! Stole, stole your wife! Why, uh, is it, why wasn't he cast yeah. as Mario? <laughs> as Mario, as, as Luigi. Yeah, uh, he says it like, Archie stole your wife! Stole your wife! And I stole your wife. Like, I don't know why he said that, but his, I loved it. It's his slow ascension into a mustache twirling monster. Yeah. <laughs> he just wants to be in The Departed so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he's like, I thought that we could fix both of our problems with this one bullet, but never send in a boy to do a man's job, so get out of my sight. I, I mean, duh! I mean, I agree with this. Yeah, job. we definitely have a boy and a man in the world, in the room a, here. This is an accurate assessment yeah. of Chad. But, like, at the same time, why did you think that would work? Yeah. This is a spoiled, rotten child mm-hmm. who's never done anything in his life. He's probably never shot a gun before. Exactly! The gun, exactly. The gun misfired! I didn't know how to shoot it. Mm-hmm. And then I got <laughs> hit in the head with a trash can because Archie's actually <laughs> built like an Adonis. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's literally, like, Chad is, like, some, like, snooty rich kid, and Archie was in the military. Yeah. Like, yeah. what the heck? He's like, maybe if I surprise him, then he won't, then <laughs> I can get him. It's, um, you know who's a weenie? Mm-hmm. Chad. 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 So Hiram's like, Chad. Hiram's like, you're never getting Veronica back, go away. And I'm like, what? That's such a weird brag, because once you kill her clever, <laughs> you also aren't getting her back. You owe me six dollars. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what? For you? $7. Oh. So Archie grabs his helmet to, like, get going to work, and Veronica shows up saying that she's officially divorced so that they can, like, boink again. So, like, 
They do, I guess. And um, it's it's pretty explicit, m- more explicit than Varchi has ever done. But my theory is that the Barchi one was so explicit that they had to, like, balance it out. I hate it, though. However, the Barchi one was, like, more explicit than this one. When we were watching it, one of these two said it's like two cousins making out. I did. I, th- <laughs> I said KJ and Cammy kiss like kiss cuz or kiss like siblings. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it, because like KJ and Cammy are actually like, close like, in real life. They're and they're like, friends. Yeah. They're friends. And um, there's just no romantic chemistry there. And y'all can try and like convince me of that, but um, like they may have had. I've it seen like- Mr. and Mrs. Smith, so I know what chemistry looks like. <laughs> Like, they may have had it in, like, season one, but, yeah. like... But now it's just... It's, it's just, so old. Yeah. It's so old, and, like, you can tell that they've kissed each other so many times that at this point it's just, like... The same thing. Like, there's no way to make it It's new. just, like, okay, we've done this before. There's no, like, spark here yeah. at all, like, whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And, like, it feels like even they know that. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's just, uh, boring. Yeah. And I'm just like I've just I've just seen it so many times. Yeah, you've you've forced me to watch these two people have like fade to black sex so many times. Yeah, I'm tired of it. I like how they they fade into black for this one too, but they just waited a little longer than usual. I'm just like you can you could just like uh, have them kiss anybody else. Mm-hmm. Like Robin said last night when we were watching, we like Veronica and we like Archie. Yeah. But we don't care about them getting together really? ever again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My next question is, where is Uncle Frank and Jackson? Because if you're all heading to the mines, why aren't you going together? Like, my... I would love the reality of Uncle Frank and Jackson just, like, waiting in the car for Archie to get into the driver's seat. And that's what he was grabbing his helmet for. Like, he was grabbing his helmet and going to grab the keys to drive Uncle Frank and Jackson <gasps> to, to the mines. And Uncle Frank and Jackson are just, like, sitting there and, like, look up into the window and they're like, Oh, God! They, like, see Veronica coming in, and they're like, so do you want to Uber? Yeah. (laughs) I feel like Uncle Frank, like, sneaks back into the house to grab the keys and leaves, and then it's like, you know what? That's Archie's problem for when he, however he gets here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we're definitely taking this out of his palladium cut. (laughs) Also, Veronica's got these long, long nails all episode, and they're beautiful. I just simply don't believe that they made it through this episode without breaking. Like, she literally was doing hard labor moving rocks. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just don't believe it. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You know what, though? Nails these days are insane. Yeah. It's true. Because they're flexible but. now. Like, the, that but was... When they, but, when they, but when they flex, then it hurts. Well, yeah, but that, I think that might just be you. Yeah, because you get your actual nails done. Oh, sure. Veronica's probably got acrylics on. That's the, true. The acrylics are more flexible, mm-hmm. so they don't snap. Yeah. We're going into acrylic science right now. <laughs> but anyway, from the nail stuff that I've seen on TikTok... Um, <laughs> I think, I think it's possible. So Alice is going into work and apparently Tom Keller told her about like the new body. Okay. So she's using Tom's first name. <gasps> oh, right. Yes. She's using Tom's first name. They were friends in high school, but I completely understand where you're coming from and go ahead. Yeah. This is what I'm saying is like, we don't usually see her on first name terms. Alice is a saying Sheriff Keller kind of bitch. She is. She's very oh. proper. That's a good point, mm. Brittany. That's a good point. Thank you. I am truly prepared for either option for Alice. At this point, I would prefer Uncle Frank because I want to see I the think world that would be burn. Hot. Plus, yeah. we've also like talked ourselves into it. Yeah, exactly. She and Uncle Frank would be very attractive together. If they're, just, if they're just in a scene together, we're going to do exactly what we do for Archie and Jackson, 100%. which would be like, there's something here for sure. And then <laughs> no. I'm going to be like, Katie, watch this scene. And Katie's going to be like, no. Katie's going to be like, are you guys okay? <laughs> there's literally, we have tin hats on and yeah. clown shoes. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Hong Kong. Like, well, here's the thing. I am a shipper. <laughs> yeah, the Hong Kong! 
fuck? <laughs> squeak, squeak, motherfucker. Yeah. No! <sighs> yeah, I mean, I'm still, I'm still rooting for Uncle Frank over mm-hmm. here. And I will be sad if Tom and Sierra have broken up mm-hmm. because they just didn't give us anything on that. They, they have to care to more like, about Parent Dale than this. Yeah. I'm asking for the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And they're not even getting there. Yeah. yeah. I do have to reiterate that I need them to say if they got divorced or not. Though. I need them to yes, say it if FP and Alice so. broke up. Yeah. They still yeah. haven't told us canonically. Yeah. Like, we only know we this only... because of Machen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Keller only told Alice that there was a body. And Betty's the one who decides to tell her it was freaking dismembered. Yeah. Stop telling her these things. I, these she doesn't are, need to know. This she's is not, not information she needs to she's know. She's not doing investigating with you and Jughead, you know? Sometimes she joins your investigations. But she wasn't actively, like, she didn't ask. No one wants to hear that their daughter's been dismembered. Like, yeah, like, yeah it sucks if it's Polly, but also if it isn't Polly, it means that Polly could also have been dismembered. And from what we see at the end of the episode, she probably was. I just feel yeah. like it's something you gently tell someone. Yeah. It's also, it's like, at this point, one, we don't know if it's Polly. Yeah. And two, it's just like, there's keeping Alice in the loop, and then there's like, telling Alice information that is going to hurt her. Yeah. And you're hurting her. Yeah. Like, she doesn't need to know that the body was dismembered. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need to know that right now. Yeah. And so she's like, don't worry, me and Jughead are gonna figure it out. So Cheryl says, look what came out of me, and it is a painting, <laughs> but I thought she was talking about her cleanse boops. I think we were all on the same page. Yeah, we were. She's like, the higher power is the four elements. We're gonna be praying to Gaia herself. Um, and Kevin's like, uh, and he's like, I'm not really into this anymore. Is that okay? And Cheryl seems totally fine with it. She's like, you were always free to go, but you can always come back if you want. Like, she seems very, very chill about she, it. She is chill, and I, I support her for yeah, this. I yeah, I mean, that's how, like, most people who are religious should be. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was Cheryl, I'd be a little bit offended. A little, like, just a little bit by being like, well, I just shared with you that I figured out something really cool, and now you don't like it? Like, yeah. do you not like my painting? Oh, sure. <laughs> um, and then Penelope's, like, watching creepily, like, ha, 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 ha. And I'm like, but Cheryl is happy and fine. Yeah. What are you, what are you mad, like, what are you, like, excited about? That know. was, like, my thing, too, where I was like, what was Penelope's endgame here? I don't know. So, Betty and Jughead are at Pops, they're worried that Lerman won't show up, and he's like, oh, he'll show up because I promised him a first edition copy of War of the Worlds. It is a fifth edition, but we're just not gonna say that. Yeah, we're not gonna tell him that, because like, I told him it was a first edition. This child won't know. won't know the difference. Yeah. So, um, if you guys don't know, The War of, of the Worlds is a science fiction novel by H.G. Wells. It was written between 1885 and 1897. It was one of the earliest stories to detail a conflict between mankind and an extraterrestrial race. The novel is the first-person narrative of both an unnamed protagonist and of his younger brother as uh, Southern England is invaded by Martians. The novel is one of the most commented on works in the science fiction canon. So it totally makes sense that he would give him an alien book. Yeah, of course. So then we see Alice on TV, and she's basically asking, please stop killing people. I'm really sad about my daughter, and I just want closure. And like you said in your summary, she honestly, like, wishes the victim was Polly so that this would be over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, I mean, I get it. Yeah. You know? I also want her to have peace. Yeah. Yep. And not cry on TV. Yeah. Yeah, right, right on TV, yeah. Yeah. However, I do believe that probably what she was doing was strategic, you know, trying to show emotion to the person who's doing it. Yeah. And, like, with an a- in an actual plea. Trying to appeal to them. If I could take a hard left into milkshake cannon. Okay. If you don't mind. Sure. There's a sign right beside the TV that says the milkshake flavors, which are chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, and blueberry. First of all, blueberry is new. Yeah. But second of all, Lerman has a mint milkshake later. Yeah. 
And I was like, oh, maybe it's blueberry? But it's definitely not blueberry. It's yeah. definitely mint. Yeah, that's not blueberry. That's I'm guessing it's mint chocolate chip. Are there more flavors that are on the sign? It feels like the sign should be comprehensive, but it's just set decoration, so it's fine. <laughs> Who's to say? Do we? Are we sure we see the whole sign, or is because that could there possibly be a second column of flavors? Okay, there's definitely not a second column on the side. It's the full sign, like lengthwise, mm. but height wise, we don't see the full sign. Okay, but it looks like it's like chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, and blueberry, and there's like a larger than what would be space underneath, Mm. which makes me think that it is the end of the list. Sure. Like, maybe Pops has iconic milkshakes, and they're like, we want to get a small amount of milkshake flavors perfect, then have a lot of different milkshake flavors. Mm -hmm. Which I respect, but what is this mint milkshake? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then Lerman does show up, his bus was just late. Okay, thanks. Sure. He had to be late so that they could watch TV. Um, And that's the end of part one. It sure is. So before we move on to part two, I'm going to really quickly talk about Patreon. Um, So Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Um, If that's us, thanks. (laughs) Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. We have some pretty cool perks that you can check out. Um, At the $1 level, it's it's a monthly donation. Um, So $1 a month gets you early access to all of the podcasts. Um, This one is at least one day. All the other ones are a whole week in advance. $2 gets you access to our Discord server. $5 $5 gets you 10% off at shoppylux.com, which is where me and Brittany sell stuff. We both have some Riverdale stuff that you can check out. If you want to like go on shoppylux.com and like search Riverdale in the little search bar, you can find it all. It's true. $10 tier is my personal favorite, and that gets you access to our Patreon-only podcast. Okay, love you. Hi. It's a 45-minute long podcast every two weeks talking about whatever we want. Um, an upcoming episode is going to be about our queer experiences and about how we realized that we were queer and what our um, what our relationship with that is. And mm-hmm. so I'm excited to, to uh, record that one soon. Yeah, I love talking about myself. Yeah. yeah. If you can't help us out on Patreon, check out shoppylux.com. Can't do that? Recommend us to a friend. Um, we'd really appreciate that. Tell your friend you don't, that they don't have to watch Riverdale to... <laughs> This is how you keep up on Riverdale. <laughs> hey, listen, if you have a friend who's obsessed with, with Riverdale, you uh, give this to all your other friends so that they can keep up with what's going on <laughs> and they can still talk about it without yeah. actually having to watch it. Yeah. So that, and then you can also recommend any of our other podcasts, even if that's to yourself. If this is the only one that you listen to, maybe check out one of our other ones. Thanks. So I did the summary for the middle third. Okay, you can. <clears throat> Thank you. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Dazzle me with your wit. Razzle dazzle. Razzle dazzle. <clears throat> Tony and Fangs discuss Britta and how her coming out to her parents didn't go very well. They talk about their own coming out stories and how they'll be happy who Anthony is no matter what. Hiram happily waits for another bomb to go off, and when it does, the mine starts to collapse. Archie goes in further for Jackson, and the two of them are officially stuck. Cheryl and Veronica are both notified and head there. No one thinks to tell Betty and Jughead, so they keep talking to people about Mothman while Archie's life is uh, in the balance. Yeah, literally, (laughs) does anyone ever tell them? No. Okay. Yeah, I'm like, I, I actually don't know. I don't remember them finding out. I don't think they did. They I love this show. It's stupid. <laughs> Lerman tells them that he was stuck in the spaceship-like shed that Polly described to Alice. He was let go by one of the Mothmen because he was taken by accident. He wasn't supposed to tell anybody about this, but he knows he was near the highway because he could hear the trucks. Sure. When Cheryl and Veronica arrive at the mine, Uncle Frank tells them that the blast was definitely deliberate. Veronica tells him to spare no expense on getting them out. Archie finds Jackson alive. That's that scene. <laughs> 
Bughead go to Dr. Curdle Jr. who say that the body isn't Polly, but it is Squeaky. And it turns out the guy she had locked up was actually related to her. He was a distant cousin. And they realize that all of this comes back around to the Blossoms. Hiram listens to the radio about his handiwork and Veronica shows up completely knocking him out. He wakes up tied to a chair. She tells him about what Mrs. Burble said to her once and explains that on the day of her quinceanera, she overheard him saying he was disappointed in her and that he wished that he had a son instead, and she's been searching for his approval ever since. She says that ends today, and if Archie dies, Hiram dies. I would like to see it. (laughs) Bughead goes to see Nana Rose, who confesses that the body that she gave to Jughead and Tabitha earlier this season wasn't a Mothman, but just Cousin Timothy. Aww, (laughs) Cousin Timothy! Her husband had a bunch of illegitimate children that she pawned off to a family in the woods, the Starkweathers. That's right. You heard me correctly. The Starkweather. They were like, this isn't Game of Thrones, but we're gonna try. Oh, God. They're all blossoms who made up the Mothman thing. Betty and Jughead put together that Old Man Dreyfus has been a Starkweather all along, and Nana Rose fully recognizes his name. If only they had asked her about it sooner. (laughs) Inside the mine, Archie's really struggling, especially since he doesn't know how many people are saving him up on the outside. Archie is about to give up, but his visions of the soldiers appear again and give him a pep talk. They help him clear out the mine. I know it's a metaphor, but it still made me laugh. Stay tuned for the final third of the episode coming to your ears very soon. (laughs) So there was more action in this um, part Mm -hmm. of the thing. Yes. So first is the uh, scene between Tony and Fangs. Fangs is giving Tony a foot rub. Remember that later. Okay. <laughs> for later. Tony has her wine and everything because she's not pregnant anymore so she can drink her wine. And she's also an adult so she can drink her wine. It's true. <laughs> she's worried about Britta who's apparently her last name is Beach. Britta Beach. I think that's a really cute It's cute. cute. So she came out to her parents and they were not supportive and they're talking about how you like you never really know exactly how it's gonna go and it was hard for Tony when she came out to her Nana and Fangs talks about how when he came out to his dad, his dad also didn't like her or doesn't didn't like it. Um, he also says bye, which I think is the first time that it's it was ever said on the show. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah, because we've gotten hints for for both of them that yeah. they're both bisexual, but uh, this is the first time they said the word. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we don't need labels, but it's nice to have them. Yeah, Wait. no, it's nice. Did Kevin say it in season one, but in a bad way? Yeah, I'm pretty oh, sure Kevin yeah. he did. Derogatory. Now that I'm bisexual derogatory. derogatory. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I liked Fangs explaining how his dad reacted, because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, worm, same. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, I feel represented. I was surprised they had, like, this very CW, young adult-esque conversation about, like, queer topics. I'm like, where did this come from? I honestly didn't know how to feel about it at first. It's I was just very like, preachy, but I don't mind it. Yeah, exactly. I was like, this feels a little bit out of place in this show. Because one of the things that you have, that you've said previously in the past few episodes is that, like, they, this show has established that it doesn't really dive into these topics, and now it started diving into these topics, and so it's kind of jarring. Yeah, it's like they're doing what I wanted them to do, but it's Riverdale, so they're doing it in the most awkward and out-of-place way possible. Mm -hmm. But I'm not gonna, like, look a gift horse in the mouth, because, Mm -hmm. hey, at least this is probably helping some queer teenager out there who's still in the closet. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, this is the first time it's, like, worked for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, apparently Fangs' dad told him that he should choose to be with a woman since he likes both of them. And so Fangs said, okay, and now he platonically lives and has a baby with Tony. (laughs) Literally, the only thing that my, like, 80-year-old grandpa said to me when I was like, hey, I think I like girls, was, okay, just make sure that you have kids so that you have grandchildren so that you just have people around you all the time. And I was yeah. like, okay, sure. You know, the pro- the proper reaction. Yeah. I, sometimes a family can be two bisexuals who are just friends and they're, uh, their baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not? 
<laughs> and as much as I love Shoney, if these bisexuals want to kiss, I will watch it. Oh, yeah. yeah I would absolutely sure. be pro Fangs and Tony as a couple, mm-hmm. because uh, I frequently, as a bi person, I frequently headcanon all of my het ships as bi people, as both being bi. Yeah. And... Uh, this would be the first time that would be canon, canon yeah. and I'm all for it. <laughs> and before okay. any teenagers on Twitter start with the bi erasure crap, they're both bi. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. And like, uh... <laughs> they're, but they're still bi and exactly. they date each other. Yeah. It's, it's still not counts. a problem. Yeah. I love the representation of them, like, being this sort of, like, melded together family in that sort of mm-hmm. way and everything. That's the thing that I yeah. like, yeah. But I'm yeah. also like... If you guys want to, if you guys, guys want to kiss, I'd like to see it. But if you want to stay platonic bros who just raise a kid yeah, together, that's great. I also want to see that. Yeah. I just want Tony to be happy, and I know that she is with like her baby now and everything. But like, she was really struggling with Cheryl, you know. And yeah. Cheryl is so like dramatic and always so like back and forth, you know. I just really she feel like always came second. This will always be a constant for her. Yeah. And so I like, I kind of want that for her. You and know? I like that things and Tony put each other first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're like. You have to be safe because I care about you and also we're each other's, like, we're the parents of this child. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. we, we share this child together. We have to care about each other like this. And yeah. it's really sweet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man or woman, Fangs seems like the ideal partner on this show. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. He's attractive. He's kind. He, like, can cook. He's killed a man. He's killed a <laughs> man. That Did was he? one time. Yeah. yeah it was. He? Yes, it was the man who does not need a ladder. Fangs himself killed Tall, tall Boy. Guy. Tall Boy. Tall Boy. Not Tall Oh, guy. it's Reggie that doesn't raise his hand about if yeah. anyone's got experience raise, killing yeah. rid of a body. Yeah. I was like, which himbo was that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like sitting here being like, they would have straight passing privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But they're both bi. Yeah. Take advantage of that straight passing privilege. And I, and I oh. feel like they would also be the kind of bi people who acknowledge that they have that privilege. Yeah. Because, you know, they're not stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're also, like, you know, like, there's just so much beautiful, like, representation to mm-hmm. be had in a relationship like this. I'm like, yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I don't care. Yeah. So they're like, is Britta going to be okay? Yeah, she's tough, so she'll be all right. And no matter what Anthony is, we're going to be happy. And I'm like, uh, where is he? He's always conveniently asleep. <laughs> Babies are expensive. For sure. Well, I imagine it's her baby. Yeah. I feel like they're using her baby. That would be cool. I'm not 100% sure, but I, I I feel like they would. Eventually, they're going mean, they to stop they, using I'm them. sure they still have to pay her. Yeah, yes, but. for sure. But I also think that eventually they're going to not be able to keep using that baby because, um, like, a week goes by in in the show and it takes, like, a month to uh, <laughs> to get And babies change fast. Yeah. So we see Hiram with his bomb thing again. This is almost shot for shot. For when he uh, took out the prison in 510. It's hysterical, um, actually. It's very funny. We also see the photo of Hermione and Veronica in the back that he's going to burn later. Sure. Okay, weirdo. So the mine collapses and Archie goes in farther for Eric and everyone else gets out. Once again, Archie saves Jackson's life because Jackson would have straight up just died in there if Archie hadn't gone in. 100%. Well, yeah. I'm still not convinced he's going to make it out of the whole thing alive. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. So Cheryl is, like, just hanging out at her house writing her commandments, and Kevin calls her to tell her what happened, and then Cheryl calls Veronica. Yes? The funeral was Polly's! Duh! Eric just wasn't there because he doesn't know Polly. Eric's alive! Okay, so... Yeah. Yes, hold on. So, where's my thing? Okay, um... I'm a genius. So, basically, at the end of this episode, Archie is able to get Eric and he out of here, obviously, because Archie's a hero. So I was like, is Eric okay? Because 
at one point we saw a still from a funeral at some point and Eric wasn't there. So we realized, oh my gosh, Eric might die because he's not at this funeral. And so I was really upset about that because I thought he is so important for like not only mental health, but also like amputee representation. Mm -hmm. And so I hope he doesn't die because he's like really important for that, I felt. And so um, I hope that's true. I deeply hope that's true. I, I think I'm... Uh... Correct. Has to be. The thing is, he's also a guest star, too. Yes. Like, he's barely a guest star. Yeah. So, like, he's, like, a tertiary character. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if he's not at a funeral... Yeah. Yeah. No sure. big. Mm-hmm. So, Lerman is ready to talk about the week that he was missing, and once again, that's totally a mil- mint milkshake that he has, and where did you get that? Exactly. So, he says that he was sleepwalking along the highway, because he sleepwalks, and he was stuck in a metal shed like a spaceship, which Betty remembers is exactly what Polly said to Alice. First of all, how long was Polly in that spaceship? How did she get out to call Alice? Like, we still don't know how- Oh yeah, how'd she escape? Polly got a hold of Alice. Don't know. Uh, mm, mm, we're never gonna find out. No. Probably not. I mean, I imagine she, like, opens the back of the truck or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe. That she's in. See, we thought that the spaceship-like thing was the back, back of oh, the truck. Right. Yeah, but now this but episode they're telling shed. us it's a shed. Well, no, I mean, I mean- they have to get them to the to the shed anyway. So I imagine he chucked her in the back. And then she got out before she... And talked to Alice before she even got in the shed? Yes. Because she and Lerman are describing the exact same thing, but he's describing the shed. She might have escaped and they caught her again. I mean, maybe. Polly's is like metallic. Yeah. That's what he said. Okay. But then when we see the shed later, it's like wooden. So whatever. Yeah. It's Riverdale. It doesn't make sense. It's Riverdale. So he said that he was alone in the shed and a mothman saved him. And they're like, a mothman? And he's like, yeah, that's what he called himself. Because apparently that's what the, the Starkweathers are telling themselves that. I'm just like so sad because I, I knew that it was never going to be real Mothmen. Yeah. But I wanted it so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, if we're getting rid of the alien aspect, why is Cheryl still a witch? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm like, okay, fine, then give me the supernatural aspect. Yeah, they're going to make it a, if a vision. If I can't have right. the X-Files, make it Sabrina. Yeah, they're going to make it a vision. 100%. 100%. Like you said, yeah. So he was let go because they said it was a mistake and he wasn't supposed to tell anybody or like the Mothman would come back for him. But now they can't because they're like all in jail. But also like, how would the Mothman know? Because somebody would come and like say that they know stuff. Like Betty and Jughead basically. Like the cops? Yeah. I think they'd all be arrested at that point. Yeah, exactly. Then again, cops. And it's Riverdale. Yeah. And there's, there's only, only one, one cop, cop and it's Sheriff Keller. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I buy it. So he's like, I don't know where it was, but it was close to the highway because I could hear tr- hear trucks. And so they're like, okay, we will put this in our brain bank for later. Sure, sure, sure. And sure, then sure, Dr. Sure. Curdle Jr. calls with DNA results. Dr. Curdle Jr. racking up a phone bill this episode. Um, so Veronica and Cheryl show up to the site and they can't call or get a hold of Archie. They're like, we tried to call him, but he has no cell surface in this giant mine. What? <laughs> Who'd have thunk? And so they're like, we need more people. We need equipment. It might take hours or days for us to get them out. And Veronica's like, I will pay for anything. Just do it. Thank God they have a friend who has deep pockets. Yeah. I want to be that friend so bad. She Mm -hmm. is so convenient. And I'll like, I'll allow it because she's very rich in the comics. It's yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Veronica will never not be rich. Yeah. (laughs) I will not (laughs) not not be rich. (laughs) So uh, Frank says that it was clearly a deliberate explosion. It's like, how can he tell? I don't know. But he was... Did, he might know what bombs sound like? That's true, yeah. I was just like, if he can be coherent enough to get through carbon monoxide poisoning when everyone else is, like, tripping, then I guess it makes sense that he would know this. I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like, you know, he was in the military, he might know what a bomb sounds like yeah. as opposed to a rock slide. Oh, sure. I don't know. And then Veronica's like, I know whose fault this is. Uh, so inside the mine, Archie finds Jackson. He's pretty hurt. Uh, they're worried about conserving oxygen. 
Jackson asks if everyone else made it out, and Archie's like, yes, and I will personally dig us out of here. So they go back to Dr. Colonel Jr., and he says that the victim is not Polly, and so Betty's like, okay. It is squeaky, so Tabitha is really upset about that, obviously. And But it turns out your DNA did match somebody, which was the evil guy that you were kind of torturing. And Betty's like, my cousin? I was... Ah. Turns out he's a distant cousin of Betty. There's, I, a, there's a lost blossom clan. I howled. <laughs> I was like, this is the funniest thing I've ever heard. This episode made us scream in insanity. It's yeah. so stupid. That but serial in a killer way. gene, though. Oh, good you dog. know what? It, it holds strong. Mm-hmm. Do be running in the family. So Didn't we look up and see if that was even real? And it was. It is real, but yeah. like, I feel like it's not using it weird. this Well, it's real. Riverdale. Of course, mm-hmm. they, they look up something that's real and then they bastardize it. That's yeah. their hobby. Mm-hmm. So Betty's like, that's weird because all of the Coopers are dead or like accounted for, accounted for. And Jughead's like, did you forget that you're related to the Blossoms? Okay, but like Jughead had a point because she did forget that. Yeah. And Dr. Colonel Jr. is like, I know this feels like I'm burying the lead, but there was so much information that I got that I wasn't sure which one to do first, and so I do need to tell you that my morgue was broken into and both of those bodies are now <laughs> stolen. <laughs> Listen, Dr. Colonel Jr.'s had a weird couple days. It's so true. Every day is weird with Dr. Colonel Jr., except for, like, two episodes ago when he was like, this is the best day of my life. It's true. Josie and the pussycat. I really love how... <laughs> Betty saw Dr. Curdle Jr. there and therefore saw him in such a new light of his fedora-wearing <laughs> Josie Stan self mm-hmm. and just immediately went back to, yes, Dr. Curdle Jr., I know that you're the mortuary guy and uh, yes, of course, I'll bribe you, you know? And she's yeah, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, like, I-, I wish that she would have shown up at some point in the morgue this episode and been like, so you hear that new Josie track? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God, that'd be amazing. So they're like, oh, they're covering their tracks. And, oh, we had a Mothman body that was also stolen. So both of these things are connected by the Blossoms. So Jughead and Betty are like, okay, let's go figure this out. Tabitha's like, I'm going to go talk to Squeaky's family, but don't try and take these people down without me there because I am now personally invested and I'm very upset. Sure. And that's fair. Yeah. So Hiram's back in his office just happily listening to the radio. And the radio's like, two minors are stuck in the mines or whatever. But of mm-hmm. course, two minors sounds like they're, they're children. And I'm they're, like, no, they're minors, not minors! <laughs> Wait, what year is it? I thought, I was like, wait, no, no, they're supposed to be in their 20s, I don't... No, that's a uh, Galaxy Quest joke. Mm -hmm. Are they the Miners? Yeah, Yeah, they're like three years old. Miners, not Miners. That's Alan Rickman. Yeah. And the radio also says that they're both army veterans, uh, and that they're still stuck inside. And then Veronica shows up and just snarfs them in the back of the head, and it's amazing. Yeah. I I cheered. we We were watching the episode, and I was in the middle of saying... Wouldn't you just dream of him getting shot in the head right there? And then he got hit in the head! Mm -hmm. I was like, close enough! Yeah! Manifesting! So he wakes up afterwards, and he's all tied up in his chair, and Veronica's like, Hi, I know that it was your fault, and I'm just remembering what Mrs. Burble once told me. Um, She basically said, Neither can live while the other survives. Stop! And Uh I plan on surviving, Daddy. Good God. Um, And so she talks about how she was at her quinceanera, it was the day of her quinceanera, and she said, I was a 14-year-old girl, and I was like, Okay, so was it the day before your quinceanera? Cause, <laughs> Thank you! Because you're supposed to turn 15 on your quinceanera. I'm like... Or is it right before... Or did you have your quinceanera a little early? Or it, It's... It, I'm like, this is the easiest thing. <laughs> the the number is in the phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's right there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. However, I did want to say, I bet that quinceanera was extravagant. Oh, for yeah. Sure. 
And I would love to have seen it. So then she says that she heard him telling his friends that he wished that he had had a boy instead. And she was very, very hurt by that. But like, this really goes against what he said in his flashback episode, which is that he was like, so proud to have a daughter. Mm -hmm. And like, that she was, he was like, so happy. Mm -hmm. So they just, okay. They wrote an amazing Goodfellas episode. And then they, they promptly went, I've never seen that episode before. Yeah. (laughs) And then they just wrote this episode. They're like, all I remember from that is that we have a ghost gun now. (laughs) Good God. So, like, basically they're trying to explain why she's been, like, so obsessed with him for, like, seasons upon seasons. And I'm honestly, like, okay with it, but I wish that we had gotten it earlier so that it made sense earlier. Yes. Because five seasons later, we finally understand their weird obsession with each other. Yeah. Well, her obsession with him, at least. I still don't know his obsession with her. Mm-hmm. And so then she calls him a sociopath and that he's incapable of love, uh, which is... Fair. You know, another thing that we kind of saw in his flashback was that he was sort of capable of love, but... I think... No, he's definitely capable of love. Mm-hmm. I think Hiram's obsession with with Veronica is that he sees himself in Veronica, mm. and he wants to he wants to control her. Yeah. Fair enough. And, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. and make her just like him. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't want that. Yeah. And she doesn't want his influence anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but then you have Hermosa. Yeah, and Hermosa's yeah, but, doing whatever you want, but he doesn't care about Hermosa as much I mean, as it wasn't with Hermione, who he loved. But Hermosa's also, like, uh, willing to just tell people where his palladium is. So yeah, that's true. She, I don't think she really cares that deeply about him. She's mm. just, like, in it for the paycheck at this point, probably. Yeah. So Veronica says, if Archie dies, you die, and uh, our, like, dance of death is finally coming to an end. And I'm like, really? <sighs> that, that would be great. Seems <laughs> unrealistic, but okay. I hope it is. So Jughead and Betty go to Nana Rose, and Nana Rose is like, hmm, what? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and Betty says, Nana, people are dying. And so Nana finally decides to speak up. But, like, Betty is, like, genuinely threatening Nana Rose, and Nana Rose is like, okay, I'll, um, all right. Y'all, the way that this is the most we've ever heard Nana Rose talk. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes she goes off on, like, the most ridiculous things. she just be saying stuff. And so Betty's like, Polly lived with you guys. She was, like, part of your family. Have some respect for her. And so... Jughead's like, who was the Mothman you gave us? And she's like, ah, you got me. It was just Cousin Timothy. <laughs> what? Who? What? Also, wait, th- th- that's how they treat their disabled children, mm-hmm. just for the record. Yeah. And, like, and that's why this show, like, exploited that child, and they were like, look at this alien-looking thing, and it was it was just a child who was, like, disabled. Mm-hmm. You guys are assholes. Yeah. Writers included. Mm-hmm. And so she said that she found his body in the woods and put it in a barrel. Yeah, my next note was just, Nana Rose, you're insane. Oh, no, she's nuts. You're crazy. She says that he was born with defects- um, and that, he, but he was a blood relative. And she said that her husband was the baby daddy to like every woman on the estate. But as far as I understand, she and her husband only had Clifford and Claudius together. So my question is like, where do like Bedford and Cricket and everybody fit in? Because Cheryl called him Uncle Bedford and Aunt Cricket. So was that also Rose's child? I feel like no. I'm going to be honest with you. I stopped trying to keep track of anything to do with the Blossom family. Trait. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think they're also like distant in some way. So she said that she was, like, he would make her get rid of the children to avoid a scandal. Hey, Mr. Blossom, how about some protection? Hmm. How about some protection? Um, I'm also worried if it was every woman on the estate, did these women have sex with him consensually? Oh, yeah. I hope so. If it's every single woman on the estate, I... Okay, so here's the thing. (sighs) 
this strongly, and I told this to Sam yesterday, this reminds me so much of the X-Files episode Home, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the most scarring X-Files episodes ever made. It's actually been banned from uh, being aired ever again. No syndication, nothing. Because it's about this. Mm. It's literally about a family of, like, grotesque, incestuous... Uh, brothers. Brothers and their mother, who they keep trying to procreate with. And uh, they, like, kill people. Yeah, and they, they go out and, and just kill people they in the town. Yeah. So, like, I feel like this is sort of, like, home light. Yeah, where, it's, like, the, they it's the Riverdale CW yeah, version. They couldn't put in... That's why when we were watching yesterday, I was like, they procreate. Because, like, I was like, that's what home was well, about. But... Yeah, and, like, in, in the part in the that I have when Jughead talks to the guy, he's like, well, we started taking women for survival. And I was like, oh! Exactly. That's when I thought they were gonna start talking about the fact that, like, they were trying to, I guess... Build a dynasty. Or, like, thin out their bloodline a little, or, or I guess, or beef up their bloodline or something so that they're not all Like Uncle Frank. Yeah. Because he's so beefy. Yeah. So, I think a lot of this was heavily taken from that X-Files episode. Ugh. If you're going to take from any X-Files episode, that one? I know that you don't know what you're saying, but that's correct. Yeah, no. Yeah. What do you mean? I don't know. You just told me that it was terrible and horrible that's and the like worst not even ha- It's so bad. Yeah. Like, I've watched it. Mm-hmm. It's horrifying. So... Nana Rose says that she just put, uh, instead of, like, uh, fanning out and putting these children in lots of different places, she just gave them all to this couple uh, in a cabin in the woods because they couldn't have children themselves. Sure. And they were called the Starkweathers. Um, and I guess that those that couple is now dead, and so now it's just the children. Mm-hmm. And she said it was, like, six of them. That's actually quite a few. I wonder, uh, we never figured out what that guy's real name was. Like, the guy who bit off his own tongue? Yeah, I was we don't know say, what his when I was writing my description, I didn't know what his name was, but yeah. I thought that was just me. And my favorite line award goes to Jughead for, Nana, you're saying there's a secret, illegitimate clan of blossoms that have lived in the woods for two generations? <laughs> the things Cole Sprouse says. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> the things that Cole Sprouse has to say. Yeah. I know that, like, in the Night Gallery episode, I said, if Cole Sprouse wants to leave because of this, I understand. But I hope Cole Sprouse stays because he likes this. (laughs) Yeah. I literally, we were watching the episode, and I was like, oh, Cole, I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, his delivery of it is hilarious, because he's also, like, holding a pin. Yeah. Like, sort of like a cigarette, and he's got Mm -hmm. these, like, eye, the glasses on, and he's, like, he's very, like, chaotic writer, like, not believing this story. It's very funny. Mm -hmm. It's, I I think, And Nat frames it very well, too. All of these actors must have just leaned into it. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, except for, I think, KJ, who manages to still be earnest for some reason. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's part of the character. The person who has leaned in the most is Madeline. Yeah, Madeline. Madeline. Mm -hmm. So he's like, well, then why did you say it was a Mothman? And Nana Rose is like, well, the family made it up, so I just wanted to, like, respect their wishes or something. I don't know. Like, oh, okay. So we said respect their wishes? She was like, yeah, okay, like... You know, it helps us cover it up, so that's fine. All right. So they're not in the woods anymore. They move to the mines and then next to the highway, and they're like, oh my god, Mr. Dreyfus. And she's like, yeah, 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 Dreyfus. That was the name of one of them. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, yeah, that was yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was under the impression that Dreyfus was his last name, but that was yeah. probably on purpose. They'd be uh, doing that to us. Yeah. Um, Lerman Logan. Lerman Logan. Ugh. So then Nana Rose is like, oh my god, is he still alive? And I'm like, you're still alive. <laughs> so, somehow. You were, were you not an adult when he was born? Because it was your husband? Uh, okay. I think you, you'd just assume they all hunt each other to death. And, you know, they yeah. got tossed into the woods. Yeah, yeah. Are we out of the uh, woods Like, yet? Timothy is dead, so. That's true. 
They probably just, like, leave the babies on the side of the highway and the Starkweathers have to choose whether or not to pick them up. Yeah. I hate this show. (laughs) And so Betty's like, oh my god, we were right there at Mr. Dreyfus's house. Polly could have been there while we were there. And so then they get a text from Tony that there's, like, an SOS. Then we go to Cheryl praying at the mine. There's lots of people helping, including Veronica, who's, like, on the front lines. She's, like, right up there at the front. Um, And Archie is working alone on the inside. Jackson is still there, alive. Archie's really struggling because they're losing air and they're losing blood. And Archie's like, I gotta be honest with you, I really don't know if we're getting out of here. Yeah. It's kind of dark. And I also see in Archie that, like, he does not regret going back in there. Like, knowing that he could have gotten out if he had run, but he never would have lived with himself. I feel like he would rather die here in the mines with Jackson than have gotten out and then known that he could have done something. Yep. It's Bingo. Yeah. He's making up for Bingo. Yeah. So then Bingo, speaking of, shows up gives, <laughs> and gives him some hope. And he's basically like, you don't know how to quit Sarge. You can't quit Sarge. And so me and the ghosts are going to help you and give you strength. Y'all, absolutely no word of a lie. Mm-hmm. The ghosts show up. Yeah. The ghosts show up and start shoveling things. And I know that this is all in Archie's head. And I support Archie making his mental illness work for him. How is this in his head, though? Because it works. Yeah. No, like, they straight up, like, start helping him. Like, they, they literally lift rocks. And yeah. you're not, you're never quite clear if they're there or not. Like, you know they're not, but then you're like, but it's Riverdale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when we were watching last night, I was like, come on, Bates Motel season five, because Norman Bates just drags whole bodies around. And it's, he's a scrawny little thing. Yeah, I don't know. He how, drags like, whole bodies huge around. Huge bodies. Like, and, and he, it looks like he does it because he has the help of his ghost mother, but like, no, that's impossible. No, it's just Freddie Highmore trying to haul dead people around. Yeah. So like that, it, it just gave me very that because Archie is, uh, Eric is unwell at mm-hmm. this point and Archie is hallucinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> and that's part two. Um, and Sam did the summary for part three. Alright, so Tony clues in Bughead and Fangs on Britta's disappearance, and she says she got in a fight with her mom, and when her mom went to check on her, she had disappeared and left a note that saying that they didn't have to deal with her anymore. Betty asks if they have any idea where she has gone, but Fangs says they don't have any leads, and uh, they figure that if she tried to leave via the Lonely Highway, that she's in super danger, and they need to get to the junkyard ASAP. Fangs doesn't want Tony, Tony going... Uh, on the raid because now she's a mother and she can't just put herself in threatening situations. Tony says that she has to because Britta came to her for help and she doesn't want to be the kind of mother who doesn't try to help people whenever they, she can and as much as she can. Fangs gets it and he gets it so much that he's coming with her. <laughs> he says they'll have his mom look after the baby. Convenient. <laughs> At the work site, Cheryl searches for a first aid kit in the most banging outfit I've ever seen. Cheryl tells Veronica that she should go home and rest because she's exhausted and injured. Ronnie doesn't want to leave, though, uh, because she doesn't want to leave Archie. But Cheryl convinces her that she doesn't want to be a mess when he emerges. Cheryl is plenty capable of holding down the fort, and plus, it's fine, she's got cosmic backup. Outside, Cheryl prays to the elements, calling upon earth, wind, and water to free Archie from the confines of the mine. Miraculously, along with his little ghost friends, it works. Either Cheryl is a witch or the next avatar, and I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. At home, Ronnie is uh, running herself a bath in, like, my dream bathroom Ugh. when Chad sneaks into her house with a gun. She leaves the water running to lure him in, 
and then hides and has her like smart house turn off all the lights and play uh, Ride of the Valkyries at full volume. She gets the jump on Chad and they both struggle for the gun. The gun goes off twice in the chaos and Smithers walks in. He calls for the lights on and the music off and we see Veronica standing over dead Chad. (laughs) She explains to Smithers that he snuck in and attacked her. She gets a phone call from Cheryl and then goes to see her father. She tells him that she's tempted to kill him, but she's a woman of her word. Archie lives, so Hiram gets two too. She flexes on him about his failure and then tells him he's basically a cartoon villain at this point and she's not afraid of him anymore. She says that if he ever tries this kind of thing again, though, she'll shoot him like she shot Chad and Hiram's like, huh? (laughs) She's just like, whatever, call Dr. CJ for the deeds. Toodles. Dr. CJ. (laughs) At the junkyard, Betty tells the squad that they're looking for a windowless shed and uh, they've all got an array of self-defense weapons, and Jughead's job is to talk to Dreyfus while everyone else searches the grounds. Jughead goes up and asks if he can continue his conversation with him about the Mothman inside. Jug corners him with all the info he has, revealing what he's put together and what he knows now via Nana Rose. He thinks that Dreyfus is the one who took the corpses, and that he and his family are the ones taking people off the Lonely Highway. Lerman got away because he's not a woman. Jughead doesn't know why that's the case, though. Dreyfus says that it's to survive, and they started going after people that no one would miss. And I'm like, is this a sex thing? Is this a cannibalism thing? Are y'all just doing murder? What the hell does to survive mean? You will never get the answer to that. <laughs> anyway, Jughead says that their targets have ha- couldn't have had much money, and Dreyfus is like, well, we didn't need much to survive. And I'm like, I guess we're supposed to think that it's the money thing, but like, mm-hmm. okay. After a while, it just becomes about the thrill of the hunt. Anyway, men are nasty. The Mothman story was just a cover, and he says that no one cared about those girls anyway, and Jughead's like, yeah, you're super freaking wrong about that, dude. Outside, things start going crazy when Tony Tony finds Britta, and all of the gang sort of gets cornered in their own little spots. Things gets bear-trapped, and but defends himself (laughs) by threatening to use a shotgun. Tabitha gets attacked, but manages to fight the guy off by tasing him in the balls. Betty is attacked and getting strangled, but Tony comes and saves the day and knocks out her attacker. The brother that snuck up on Tony is dressed normal, and he helped her free Britta. Betty rushes in to help Jughead when they hear a ruckus inside. Dreyfus was trying to bite off his own tongue again and kill himself uh, without answering their questions. (laughs) Dreyfus! Dreyfus! (laughs) Betty knocks him out. And uh, back at Fangs and Tony's place, Fangs asks Tony if they can really do all of this, and she says they totally can because they've always got each other's backs. At Veronica's, she and Archie ruin my dream bathroom by sharing the tub and, like, (laughs) being glad they lived or whatever. I love you, honey. (laughs) Elsewhere, Hiram burns a picture of Veronica and Hermione in an ashtray. Uh, At the police station, I think? As far as I can tell, yeah. Betty tells Dreyfus that the FBI is on their way to put him and his brothers away for good. She really wants to know where her sister is, though. He says she's in the junkyard, and he'll draw her a map. Betty and Alice go to where he indicated and open the trunk of an old car. We don't actually see the body, but it's pretty clear from their reactions uh, that it's really Polly, and she's really dead, and it's extremely sad. Mm-hmm. You did it, babe. Unless, like, they couldn't tell it was squeaky based on anything because she was so decomposed, but they found her in a swamp. It's Polly. They just couldn't pay her for more than one episode. Yeah. Also, sometimes that stuff is too gruesome to show on the CW. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they they probably wouldn't let them. Because yeah. remember uh, on The 100 when they wouldn't let them show Aiden? Yeah, all of the children, yeah. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. 
They probably just wouldn't. If she's dismembered, yeah. they're, they're not allowed to show that on the CW yeah. before 10 p.m. So Britta ran away after a fight with her mom. So her mom called Tony to see if this is where she went. And you know what? That's probably a good place to call. It mm-hmm. totally makes sense. They call around to all her friends. No one knows. And they're like, okay, well, we need to go to Dreyfus because he might have taken her. Tony wants to go. Fang, Fang stay with the baby in case Britta comes back. And he's like, you're a mother now. You need to stay safe. And she's like, I saw myself in Britta. And she came to me for help. So it's really important to me. For me, to, it's very to go sweet. Into it. I don't want my child to ever think that I was like a coward and didn't help people when I could have. And Fangs is like, okay, we'll take Anthony to my mom then because I'm also going because we're gonna watch each other's backs. These are the best characters on this show. Yep. Oh, for sure. This conversation um, is actually so wholesome. Yeah. And also, she has a taser. So Veronica hurt herself moving rocks, and somehow her manicure survives. Uh, Cheryl finds a first aid kit and gives her a bandage. Tells her to take a break. Will be cleaned up at home. Um, because you'll want to be beautiful when he emerges. And she mentions Orpheus emerging from the underworld again. I'm like, first of all, does that mean Jackson Eurydice? And also, why are we talking about this again? And also, Sam brought up, why aren't they doing Hades Town if they're going to keep bringing up Orpheus and Eurydice? <laughs> so she's like, I'll hold down the fort here. I've got some serious backup. And if I was Veronica, I'd be like, oh my god, okay, who is it? Thanks, Cheryl. And she'd be like, it's God. <laughs> I'd be like, okay. So she calls upon fire um, because Jason was taken down in flames and Thornhill went up in flames. She calls upon wind, like the one that I used to also combat fire with my mom. And Kevin and Uncle Frank are in the background like, what's going on? Um, Water, because that's where I saw Jason and I was reborn at the end of season one. And Earth, like Gaia, please move the rocks and help Archie. Then we move to Veronica, who's running a bath. And Chad has come to actually murder her. Yeah, you know how it be. Chad's like, I have to perform a murder at some point in this episode. My first one didn't work. And I hate you so much. Please die. He's like, I hope we reconcile. Well, if we can't, I guess I'm going to have to kill (laughs) you. So then she hears him and she like runs away. Then Cheryl's actual magic or something works and Archie brings Jackson out, but it's also the power of Archie's will. Mm -hmm. Um, and everyone like helps them and everything. And something that Sam pointed out when we were watching that you, you said that she, you really like that she just kind of walks away. She doesn't come up and is like, yes, it is I, a magic person. I also think though that there is, is something to her possibly Mm -hmm. actually being magic because the, the, the people sitting outside notice. Yeah. Well, they notice like the fire gets bigger. Well, and the, and they notice the the wind. wind. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because last episode she was trying to perform miracles and they were all fake other than like the B one, maybe. But, like, she's performing an actual miracle here, and she doesn't, like, take credit or anything. She just leaves. Yeah. So back at the Pembroke, Veronica's hiding, and she's saying, Pippi, turn off the lights. Pippi, Pippi, Pippi. Is Pippi supposed to be Alexa? Why would you say it? I mean, it's just a smart home name. Yeah. But, yeah. Is that a real one? No. Can you pick? Can you pick your name? No. Oh. They give you three different options. Oh. So she asks for Ride of the Valkyries to play, and this is really smart because not only is it great music music choice for this, but also uh, it, like, throws him off his rhythm, you know? And now he can't hear her, like, rustling around in the background, so he can't do a very good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and he accidentally shoots the mirror by accident. Have you ever been here before? You don't know where the mirrors are? They remodeled it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also don't think that he's been here. I know. <laughs> hardly before. So she she hits him, he drops the gun, she gets the gun, and then Smithers come in, comes in, and then the, the sh- shots go off, and I thought that Smithers had been shot instead for a second. I was about to give this episode a boot. <laughs> if Smithers had died, I was about to give this episode a boot. Exactly. <laughs> but it turns out that Veronica shot Chad dead. As she should. Am I forgetting something? Has Betty actually ever actually killed somebody? 
I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's ridiculous that Veronica has killed somebody and Betty hasn't. She didn't, right, because Tungai killed himself, right? Yeah. And Penelope killed Hal. Like, maybe I'm forgetting something, but for some reason I am remembering Betty having never actually killed somebody. Unless, wait, unless Chick is dead. (laughs) Because she threw that knife into his chest. That's right. But we don't know if Chick is dead or not, right, ladies? Yeah, he's Schrodinger's Chick. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So then Veronica gets a call from Cheryl and she's like, hey, any news? And Cheryl's like, yeah, I have news, but also do you have any news? Oh yeah, I killed a man. Yeah, sure. She's like, oh, hey, Cheryl, what's up? Like, you just killed your ex-husband. Casual. Okay. She's busy. So Veronica goes back to see Hiram, who I guess has been tied in this chair the whole time. Um, And she's like, haha, Archie is alive, you idiot. You failed again, you you stupid idiot. (laughs) You huge loser. (laughs) She's like, you dropped an actual mountain on him and you still couldn't kill him. That's embarrassing. She says that she used to admire Hiram, but now he's just like a silly cartoon. And I liked this line because, like, like all of them are a silly cartoon because um, they're comic, they're comic book, book characters. characters. So she says that uh, he is no longer a threat, but if you try and hurt me or Archie again, you'll get shot just like Chad. And she's, like, <laughs> smiling. I'm like, why are you happy are about you? killing a man? Yeah. Because you tried to kill her. No, I know, but I would at least be, like, even, even people who accidentally kill people in self-defense or whatever still have to go to therapy about that. Like, you killed a person. No. Who ended a life. No one in Riverdale is mentally stable. That's true. I guess. Brittany's absolutely yeah. correct. I mean, like, I would personally be messed up mm. if I'd accidentally killed someone that, yeah. like, meant something to me for exactly. a long time. Exactly. Like, you loved but him also, at some point, But right? also, it's Riverdale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, you loved him at some point, and, like, who called who a sociopath today? Yeah. Well, that's fair. So so in this moment, I thought, oh, maybe he isn't dead. Because why would she be laughing? Like, maybe she would be laughing and smiling about, like, ac- like injuring him, but about actually killing him. But then she's like, call Dr. Colonel Jr. for the details. And I'm like, oh, okay, so he's dead. No, he's, like, dead dead. He's at the morgue. Uh, okay. And then she's like, goodbye. I'm out of here. I'm sure she'll deal with that trauma later. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. I was gonna say, not on screen, though. Yeah. So Jughead is gonna go in and distract... And then everyone else is going to look for a windowless metal shed. <laughs> sure. And Tabitha says that she already knows how to use a stun gun because she's from Chicago. Bitch. Um, but Jughead says that he has a knife, so he'll be fine just going into the belly of the beast, and it's fine because I have a knife. And what Fangs- have? A knife. <laughs> and so Fangs has a shotgun as well. And so uh, Jughead's like, a knock, knock, knock. Hi there. Sorry to drop in, but can we keep talking about the Mothman? And he's like, sure. And he's like, inside, I'm chilly. <laughs> Do you mind? <laughs> and, and Dreyfus is like, I guess. So he lets him in, and he's like, oh, do you live alone? And he's like, yep, just me. And I'm like, yeah, because your entire family's in the yard about to catch everybody else. In the yard. And he's like, I don't want to talk about my family. And so Jughead is supposed to stall him, but instead immediately brings up the fact he that he's a stark weather. He antagonizes him. Yeah. He explains the Mothman corpse was Timothy and that you took it. You heard me and Tabitha talking about it when you picked up your Thursday pork chops. And they have the receipts of him coming in on a Thursday to get pork chops. Sir, can you confirm that you like pork chops? (laughs) Sir, your alibi about pork chops? It's looking a little thin. He's like, so you also stole the bodies from the morgue because it's like another one of your brothers. And it's like just you and your brothers finding women. And Lerman was a mistake. And yeah, like you said, Sam, he does it to survive, and so they go it's find so people who weird be missed. And I'm like, yeah, like you said, survived in what way? Also, like just, just for because, the thrill, or? just because someone is a sex worker doesn't mean they don't have a family. Yeah, like Polly had people that missed her. Yeah, like sex workers are 
people. If like, you... all of these people had families. Yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not just picking up people that don't matter to people. Mm-hmm. You didn't do your research. Yeah. If you really wanted someone who wouldn't be missed, you would be a you you would educate yourself. Mm-hmm. You're not even a good serial killer. <laughs> He's like, I didn't. We didn't even really steal from them. We just wanted to hunt people. <laughs> I can't believe that. Ultimately, other than like TBK and stuff, Old Man Dreyfus was the big bad of this season. It was so boring. <laughs> who was in like one episode? So everyone's in the yard searching around and everything. Tony finds, like, that creepy statue that they saw last time they were here. And Jughead's still talking to Dreyfus, saying, like, oh, so if someone goes missing, you just, like, say they were taken by aliens and everything? And he's like, yeah, it's like... Yeah, they were abducted. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, no one cared about those girls. And Jughead's like, well, bad news, because I am here with a bunch of people who cared about those girls. So Tony finds Britta in the shed, and then she's found by a mothman, but it's, like, the one good one. Sure. That's lucky. Sure who I assume that we'll be talking to next episode. So when you were like, oh, I don't know if we'll ever learn any more about that, I think that maybe next episode or or, or the finale, maybe we'll talk to that guy That's and maybe possible. he'll be able to give us some more information. That's entirely possible. So Dreyfus hears Tony's scream and so moves to action. Fangs gets caught in a bear trap? Yikes. Yeah, he's not going to recover from that for a while. Yeah. Tabitha gets grabbed. Betty starts shooting at one, but he's got, like, that metal plated armor on. Um, Tabitha accidentally drops her stun gun. Fangs threatens one of them with a point-blank shotgun shot. And the one, and the guy's like, you know what? That's fair. Never he's mind. like, you know what? I'm gonna walk away. Yeah. You know what? This isn't worth it. I'm gonna go. Um, Tabitha gets away from hers and then, like, stuns him in the balls, which is great. <laughs> it's really funny. Betty gets almost choked to death, but then she's saved by Tony in a golf club. Yeah. Which is great. And she's like, there's one good one, and here he is. Ta-da! He is here. He hasn't stopped it. How good can he be? Yeah, exactly. All right, That's true. Enough. That's true. I did notice that he looks pretty young, so maybe he's, like, the youngest one. I'm like, when did Nana Rose's husband die? <laughs> oh, that's a good point, actually. I mean, you know, I hate talking about this, but, like, men are able to have children longer than, than women are, you know? It's true. Like, yeah, at, it's at, so a, at an older age. Blech. So Betty's, like, worried about Jughead, so she runs after Jughead, and Jughead's like, ah, he tried to do the tongue thing as well, but I stopped him because I want to know information. Um, and then Betty smashes, smashes his face down with her foot, which is great, and um, it's implied that she swore at him, which is fun. I liked it. So then we get another parallel scene with Tony and Fangs on the couch again, but they've switched seats and they still have one foot up. It's very cute. It's really cute. Each other. It's a very good parallel. Like, I see what you did there, Natalie Bolt. They're taking care of each other. It's sweet. I noticed. It's awesome. Your great work. So Fangs says that his foot hurts and also he feels kind of stupid. And he says that he's worried about them being parents and everything, but she's very sure that they can do it together. And I just like, I love them so much. They're just like really good friends who are trying to do their best. And I, you know, it's something that they thought about for a really long time and they're prepared to do. And I love them. I also love them. So Veronica's in the bathtub with Archie. Um, She's like, oh, another near death for you. And this is kind of where I wanted to talk about like, is Eric okay? But I think that we're under the assumption that he is okay, which which is good. I guess. Um, and so let's move on from that. Uh, Hiram burns his picture of Hermione and Veronica, so I guess that big goal that he had at the end of his flashback episode is over. I guess. Which is, like, sad because, like, that was gonna be a good arc for him, but... Yeah, I'm just like, is Marisol still coming back or in season six or something? I don't know. So Betty is at the police station and she's like, hey, I told the FBI and they're coming to get, like, your entire family... 
Except for the one that is good, I assume. No, I imagine he would also go to jail, but for mm-hmm. a lighter sentence. Yeah, he's an accessory. A lighter sentence, and they can still, like, go and talk to him, and he would be, like, potentially willing to speak to them. Yeah, if he flips on the others, he'd probably get a lighter yeah. sentence. So she says that um, they're coming to get all of his brothers, and I'm like, did they only ever get brothers? Like, were no women ever born to them? Because Nana Rose also only had boys. Uh, this is part of the X-Files thing. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, they interesting. They boys there, too. Okay, interesting. Because I was like, did they ever, did they mention that on Midnight Club where, like, that's why she needed Penelope? Like, if she, if she had had a baby, like, a baby girl, that they wouldn't need Penelope and it would get worse? I mean, it is also statistical that, that a man would sometimes produce the same uh, gene or chromosome over Right, it's just, like, twins running their family as well, yeah. So she's like, please tell me where Polly is. He says, yes, she's in a junkyard and I can draw you a map. Junkyard, Steve! Speak up, my guy. Yeah. Junkyard Steve, what the hell, man? You know what? Maybe he doesn't work there anymore. Maybe he doesn't. Who knows? He probably left years. Riverdale. So Betty and Alice go to find Polly. Why would you bring Alice? Why so would that you bring Alice? Alice, Alice needs to know at this point. It, I know. Yeah. Like, I Alice like, has told her so, or Betty has told Alice so much mm-hmm. of it that if she didn't bring Alice, it would be insulting. I just, like, I would hate to see where she was dumped myself. Like, show her after you've put her in the, in the coffin, you know? That's what I would be willing to do, you know? I just, I couldn't, ugh. Because you don't know how, because she, she would also be, like, decomposed and, like. Yeah, she'd look messed up. Sure, it'd be awful, but, like, I think at this point, the amount that Alice knows, she also needs to see this. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really sad. Mm -hmm. So they find her in the trunk of a car, and they cry. It's a shot from inside the trunk. It's very good. Obviously, Mm -hmm. they can't show the body, but I do think that this means that Polly is actually dead. I do as well, because, like, the, the way that it's shot and also, like, Lillian Machen's acting yeah. is like that's genuine crying mm-hmm. uh, from Betty and Alice. Like mm-hmm. they're genuinely devastated. Yeah, and of course, it's absolutely possible. Yeah, I'm just like trying to cover all bases by being like, well, if they'd be upset seeing like d- dead bodies are upsetting, you know. But like, I I really do actually think that this is Polly, it's, and if it isn't, yeah. then I'm confused. I think it's Polly. But Machen and Lily did a really wonderful job here. I just feel horrible for them. And my last thing is, shouldn't you at least bring some police? Yeah, that was my thing, is or if something. you're going to find a body, you maybe should the, have some... Yeah. Guys, they're going to bring the one cop. He's already busy arresting everybody else. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Well, if Charles was also, still here... <laughs> also, I don't think that they... It would have had the same emotional impact if they had brought anybody yeah. else. For sure, yeah. Like, what? what is Tom Keller going to do? Just stand there respectfully in the corner? Yeah. Fair enough. So now it's time for segments. Uh, my first segment is which character needs a hug the most, and I'm definitely giving it to Alice and also Betty. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I've given it to Alice for the last, like, three or four episodes. But she but deserves it. it. My segment is what is Sam shipping the most, and uh, I'm going to go with Tony and Fang. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I like the energy. Yeah. And my segment is which MILF was the most badass? Tony. Next question? Yeah. Yeah. True. Uh, my next segment is, is Chick dead or what? I don't know. Who, who's to say? And now it's time for our best line award. <laughs> My best line award goes to Jughead for Nana. You're, you're you're saying there is a secret, illegitimate clan of blossoms that have lived in the woods for two generations. This is <laughs> Nana. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I mean, Chaos. you can't blame the man. It's... Huge, huge fan of Cole's delivery of that line. Yeah, yeah. immaculate. Mm-hmm. Mine goes to Veronica for Bye, you little bitch. Uh, so good. It's perfect delivery as well. And mine also goes to Veronica for... Check and mate, you little bitch. 
Because it was very funny both times. You better lean into it, or else it's just weird. (laughs) Yeah. Lean hard into it. So now we're going to move on to the trailer thoughts. This next episode is called Next to Normal, and it is a it is a musical episode. It's going to be weird. I expected to get a song in the trailer, so I was a little bit disappointed, but I also understand why there isn't. I just wanted, like, something to go off of. Okay, so the blurb for this one is, it's Mother's Day in Riverdale, so youch. It's Mother's Day. Um, Ouch. Uh, refusing to accept what's going on around her, Alice creates an imaginary musical fantasy world in which the Coopers are one big happy family again. So I wonder if we'll see Hal. Because um, in the trailer, we only saw Polly. Oh, if we see Hal, I'm going to be upset. Mm-hmm. But as her mother continues to spiral, Betty does her best to pull her back to reality. Meanwhile, Tabitha ropes Jughead into a family dinner with her parents, and Veronica and Archie make a big decision about their future. So I didn't, I forgot to go through the trailer, but I do have a lot of thoughts because I watched the musical. And so I have some predictions. Okay. Um, I did also want to mention that I noticed that the five episode special thing that's supposed to happen at the beginning of season six, um, the last one, like the fifth episode, 605, is actually going to be episode 100. So I think that's probably why they're doing that special uh, thing. That's going to be cool. Mm -hmm. So this is what I got. I watched next to normal. Um, So first of all, the mom is named Diana and she dresses like exactly like Alice. Okay. Um, Natalie is the daughter, and she says that she wants to go to Yale, just like Betty did. Oh, okay. Um, There's a love song called Perfect For You, and the quotes go, I could be perfect for you. I might be lazy, a loner, a bit of a stoner. It's true, but I could be perfect for you. And then they kiss at the end. Uh, I'm like, hmm, who's a bit of a stoner? It really, it like, like a loner, that feels a little jugheady. So I'm wondering, like, maybe some jughead on some Tabitha, potentially. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Um, And the mom is spying on it. If it is Betty, the mom could be spying on, on that. Okay. Um, there's a song about missing the good old days called I Miss the Mountains, which is like a sad song. And I feel like Alice will definitely sing this about Polly. I, I feel like I have too many predictions of them singing songs for them to actually do all of them. But oh, I'm they, hoping that some of these are correct. Yeah, they well, definitely won't. I mean, they only do a handful of yeah. songs. But like, it's good to, to have an array. Yeah. And then at the end of that song, she throws out all of the pills that she got from the doctor. Oh, Okay. Um, she also hallucinates her dead son, and so before even seeing the trailer, I predicted that Tierra was going to come back and play Polly in the episode, and, and then, then it there came, she is. came true. There's a song called It's Gonna Be Good, and it's the dad inviting the boyfriend in to have dinner with the family, so we know that Jughead's going to tap with his family, and so I wonder if that could be that. That's gonna be fascinating. Betty could sing He's Not Here to Alice as She's Not Here about Polly. Diana sings You Don't Know back, so that could be like an angry thing- um, that Alice could sing. I am the one is about someone's love for someone else. Archie question mark, maybe. Um, I really like this song. I do hope they use it, uh, because it was one of my favorite ones. Okay. It's a really small cast, so there aren't really any big ensemble numbers like all of the other ones. There's literally six characters in the play. Oh. Another song is called Superboy and the Invisible Girl, and um, it's about how the mother is like so obsessed with the son who died and doesn't pay attention to the daughter at all. And so I predict that Cheryl might sing this about how her mom keeps hallucinating her brother and doesn't care about her. There's also a line that is, most people who think they are happy are actually just stupid. And so I'd love to see them use that. (laughs) The song I'm Alive seems like something that Archie would sing, potentially. Natalie gets upset that her parents don't come to her piano recital and she botches it. Could have something to do with that. Mm -hmm. The next song is I Dreamed a Dance, which is about losing a child. So I would love if maybe this was a duet between Alice and Penelope. Ooh, I would oh, like that a lot. Great. Cool. Then a song, There's a World, is the hallucination convincing her to commit suicide. Oh my god. 
And then I've Been is a bop, and I hope that they do that one, too. Okay. I would kill for Alice and FP to sing A Light in the Dark together, but I'll probably just, I'll just cry. And then in Act 2, Daughter gets into drugs and bad stuff, like Polly. And then after going through a sort of, like, electroshock therapy, she forgets the past nine years, or 19 years, because it was all painful for her, so she forgets all the pain, and so she doesn't remember the past 19 years. Hmm. They never say the son's name except at the end. Uh, so I'm wondering if maybe they just won't say Polly's name this episode or something until they end. That'd be cool. Why Stay is an angry breakup-like song. I thought Veronica and Chad, but now Chad is dead. So, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know who that Varchi. could be. Yeah, Varchi. Please. Um, the Break is, like, a faster song. It seems like a song that Riverdale would want to do, and it's about someone, like, going to the doctor. So I don't know. Okay. Then we have the titular song, Next to Normal. It's a mother and daughter singing together, so I'd love to see Betty and Alice do that one. It feels like since it is the title song, they would want to do that one. And then I would love to see a couple do Hey Number 3, Varchi question mark, Shoney question mark, but now that I've seen this episode, it feels more close to Varchi. Mm-hmm. The dad finally sees the sun hallucination at the end, and then he talks to a doctor and says that he needs help, just like Archie did in Reservoir Dogs. And then the last song is a the full six-person company called Light, so they'll probably do that one. Okay. And that was, that's my thoughts on the musical. I'm excited. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Uh, thank you so much to our lovely roommate, Emily, for um, chilling in her room during this podcast. We like her a lot. She's the best. If you're a fan of The 100, we'd like to talk about that show, too. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> we are covering the three seasons that we haven't covered yet, and uh, it's something. Yeah. If you're a fan of Lost, we talk about that show too. We are in the back half of season three. It is our longest and most big brain podcast. Uh, uh, we have guests over there and it's spoiler free until the spoiler section at the end. So if you want to watch along with us for the first time, you can and I would love that. That'd be cute. Mm-hmm. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. We are almost done season three. Yeah. So then we just have nothing to do but sit around and wait, I guess. <laughs> Dropper season four. Please. Yeah, exactly. You can follow the aficionados on Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, pretty much everywhere, but we're mostly on Twitter, so go check that out. Yeah. Uh, like I said earlier, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because, ugh, it is expensive. Next best thing, recommend us to a friend. Mm-hmm. Thanks. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. The next episode is episode 518, the penultimate episode. It's called Next to Normal. It's interesting that they would, uh, uh, every other musical episode has been a reference to a, a lyric in the musical, so it's weird that they just named this one after the musical. Yeah. Um, but Next to Normal is a 2008 American rock musical. The story centers on a mother who struggles with worsening bipolar disorder and the effects that managing her illness has on her family. The musical addresses grief, depression, suicide, drug abuse, ethics in modern psychiatry, and the underbelly of suburban life. So, we shall see, ladies. It will be different from any other musical episode that they've done before. It's so gonna be weird. We'll see, we'll see. Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye!